This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, welcome to episode 79 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Coming up in this episode, fake tales from the Seal Stadium echo through the room. A point from a late deflection as a light flickers in the gloom. And there's a super cool Spaniard with his overlaps and crosses from the byline. And your weekday pundits are here to give you their lines. I don't want to hear you. Let me out. Let me out. There we go. There's only one, <laughs> one hipster in the room. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Welcome to episode 79. Brady, you, are, you all look like you've got earrings like Bert Lynch. I'm sure my age now from Coronation Street. <laughs> my head uh, All right. Obviously Sorry. too old for Arctic Monkeys as well, Cosy. Yeah. So everyone, welcome to episode 79 of Andy Takes That Chance. I'm your cornerstone, Matt Shaw. With us today, we have a man who looks good on the dance floor. It's Richard Kosmala. Cornerstone, did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Our favourite worst nightmare, it's Dan Pozza Porrit. Uh, Mardi Bum, Brady Frost, and ex-town keeper and Radio Leeds expert match summariser, and here for the star treatment, it's Mark Lennon. And a big hello to all of you pretty visitors on the YouTube channel. If Neil was here, I'm sure I'd be doing D for danger. But Matt, yes. you should have said the only man in this who's watched Huddersfield Town in a stadium since March. That's doesn't your really intro, fit. your cocktail really bear. fit with the Arctic Monkeys, Cosy. I don't think you quite get this. But <laughs> 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 So let us know what your Arctic, favourite Arctic Monkeys song is in the comment. Why not? We've got a wrong but, podcast here. But man. as always, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. So good news to everyone that the tap room has reopened. Uh, booking is now available via www.magicrockbrewing.com for indoor and outdoor. Uh, so head over to the website where you can also get 10% off if you use the code TAKESTHATCHANCE10. So... Uh, make sure that you uh, you do that if you're looking to buy some online. So, hello everyone, and how are we doing this evening? We yeah, all good. Yeah, we all yeah, good. Yeah. Still reeling from that rope intro, I guess. That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good, good. Well, I've, just <laughs> good. Finished, I've just finished playing goalkeeper wars at my academy, so I'm a little bit on the uh, stiff and sore side tonight. So, <laughs> no yeah, worries. all good. We're unbeatable, aren't we? Two games. We are unbeatable. We are unbeatable. So, right. the future so, guys. Right, so good start. Um, Rotherham won, Huddersfield Town won. So uh, a decent point at the end of the day from, from the ASEAL Stadium. Um, a good start from Huddersfield Town as well. Came right out of the blocks. Uh, Fraser Campbell had a good chance early on. Um, we're seeing Town, especially under the Cowlers, we, we were notorious slow starters, if you like, but we're certainly seeing Town come out of the bo- blocks a little bit quicker. Um, how's it been from the stadium then, Matt, to see this, this team come out with a bit more, um, a bit more intent from the off? Well, just to add a bit of 
a context what me and me and Oggy and either Johnny or Catherine who I was with us. It's quiet for starters, very, very quiet, eerily quiet. I know you have the stadium noises when you're watching the games and things like that. Uh, so it, it's, yeah, a little strange at times. But to see town what they're doing right now, you know what I mean? It's great. It's great. It's good to see them going forward, getting crosses in, overlaps, strikes. Yep, Blackman wasn't overly worked on Saturday. But I tell you what, Rotherham a decent team. They'll have a decent season as well. But to get that, that goal in the in the last second, it wasn't a, a Tommy Smith three two like back in the like back in the day before the, in their promotion season. But it was good. We, I mean, we we could be positive. We could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about players having you know what I mean, good games as well. Apart from you know what I mean, boring stuff, which I've been used to talking about over the last couple of years. It was uh, great to get that that last minute. If it's a deflection or not, I don't care. Sure, there'll be plenty of boring stuff coming up today. Uh, it's what we do. <laughs> but pause. Um, Fraser Campbell had a chance early on. Um, good work from Mbenza. That was pretty much all that Mbenza really did sort of <laughs> on Saturday. A chance but, to uh, block the shot for the first goal. Is that what you're meaning, Matt? Sorry. Mm, yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Campbell. Campbell had the shot, and Angus McDonald made the uh, made an excellent block, didn't he? But. Um, what did you make of it then, Pause. Good early start. Campbell has a chance. And then 20 minutes in, it seemed like Rotherham maybe maybe worked us out a little bit more and they came out of the shell and they pressed us a bit more successfully. And, uh, and maybe Campbell should have been out a bit quicker, I think, to uh, to the opening goal. Yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. Um, as a, it's like your opening line every week, isn't it? <laughs> as a Yorkshireman, I'm far too tight to pay 10 quid uh, to eyeball up. Um, but I've seen highlights and stuff like that and um, obviously read reports and, and various bits and bobs. And Yeah, it seems like we started well. Um, as you say, Rotherham sort of grew into the game uh, from what I can gather. Um, yeah, I think Cosy's right. Campbell should have probably put himself... Uh, he looks a bit of a... Bit of a wuss, wuss, shall we say, from that strike. He seemed to try to get out of the way of it rather than take one in chest. I think you've got to be a little bit braver. I think Matt, uh, Matt Glennon alluded to that on, on commentary from, from what I heard. You know, you've got to race out to that and really put him under pressure. He's a long way out, but, you know, it's a good strike at the end of the day, I suppose. So you've got to give him credit for that. Um, second half, lots of possession. I think 74% overall. Um, 78, yeah, 78. 78. Disappointing, only one shot on target, though, from that. Um, and again, it goes back to that that problem of um, not being able to score enough goals, which we've you know we've chatted about regular pretty much every week uh, this season. Um, would a player like Carlin Grant being on that pitch made a made a difference? Would it have got us the three points? We know with that much possession and you know being in the top third of the pitch, you, you'd, you'd maybe say yeah. That situation doesn't seem to be resolving itself anytime soon. Um, so we'll come on to transfers and stuff like that later on. Um, but in some respects, a good point. You've got a point right at end when you were looking like getting none. But on balance of play, you know, 70, 78% possession. I think we had 11 chances, only one on target. You know, you've got to get, if you're having 11 shots, you've got to hit target a little bit more. And, you know, you come away slightly disappointed, I suppose, from that one. Or I did anyway, um, looking at stats. But, yeah, you've got to take the points where you can get them. Yeah. So let's let's be honest though. If you look at the first four games, you'd have said, right, what points would have filled time going to have after four games? They'll do well to beat Norwich. Brentford are superb. If they get a point against Forest and beat Rotherham, they get four points. Everyone's happy. They've got four points, did it the other way around. And I tell you that 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 midsection of the first half near the back end, Rotherham, it's not the fact of working out what Huddersfield Town were doing. They're just a hard working, stupidly fit big side who had a successful year last year and they just didn't give town any room at all 
And as soon as things started tiring open up in the second half, that's when Town could express themselves with Toffolo just had a ridiculous match shot uh, crossed into the box. Pipper as well, as usual, doing his, doing his thing in the second half. So it wasn't so much working out Huddersfield. It was just the fact that Rotherham are so fit, strong and organised. You know, I mean, a lot of teams are going to struggle to dominate for 90 minutes. Town dominated for probably about 60 of it. It's not bad. It's not bad a way a team just been promoted and had, I've had a good start to the season. Should have been on six points if they'd have held out against Birmingham as well. Matt, how bad were the conditions, sorry, from the stadium? Obviously, behind the screen, it looked horrendous Saturday with a wet day and windy day for some time. Was it, was it as bad as uh, it looked I, from I was, the screen? I was, I was dry with a little pot of olives, so I was, I was all right, because to be fair, <laughs> I've got my uh, me new gilet on, so I was quite warm and toasty. Uh, yeah, the, the wind picked up, uh, the rain's coming in. It wasn't the worst day. It was just a bit dull. It was just that you looked across on the skyline of Rotherham there, which, let's be honest, you know what I mean? It's never a, you know what I mean? <laughs> never a bright sunshine anyway. Uh, and yeah, it was just a bit dull and a bit crappy, that's all. But this, the stadium's lovely. New York Stadium, you know what I mean? Set out nice, mm. lovely stadium. Uh, so it, it, it was fine. Pitch was absolutely fantastic, you know what I mean? As it should be when you've had three and a half months off it. Uh, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was fine. It was fine. It was a big call then to drop... Uh, Ramoni Critchlow. We we said last week that we would do it on this podcast. Uh, Rotherham are a physical, big physical side, so it made a lot of sense to do that. But again, it's still after someone's done so well, it's still a big call. But how good was Naby Sar on debut? I thought he was outstanding um, for someone who's not played for for months on end. He's he's probably trained for about a week, would you say, with the team because he's had to isolate for a while. How how good? I know Rotherham's backed off quite a lot and let him have the ball. So obviously he, he wasn't under pressure for large amounts of the game. But when he was, I thought he dealt with it really well. And I think we've got, I think we've done well again, recruitment wise. He, yeah. I know it's only one game, not to get too excited, obviously after one game, but I thought that was a great debut and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can, uh, what more he can bring. I agree, Matt. And sorry. I, it got me thinking, when was the last time we had a comfortable ball playing centre half that were really comfortable on the ball? I'd say Hef. I think Hef. Hef, he looked... What do you think, Hef? Very very good on the ball. Very slow. Everyone who has similar hair like that and they do all the flick in the air. (laughs) Anyone that looked like me, yeah, that was it. Uh, Yeah, the Hef was comfortable, but then he'd give it straight back to him. Uh, He'd look comfortable and stylish, but not always end product. And like you're right, yeah, uh, Rotherham did back off Nabizar a little bit, but he drove at them all the time. He was constantly driving. A couple of Cruyff turns chucked in there as well. Uh, crossfield passes a couple went astray as you say he's been sat watching loose women on a bleed next size bike in his hotel room for two weeks mm-hmm. I mean, he's not even he's not even seen a blade of bloody grass so he's to Netflix and, by the sounds of it yeah. and, and do a <laughs> I'm not sure what channel he was watching no but uh, to go in and to go in and, and put a performance like that in against a physical strong organised Rotherham side I thought I thought was excellent because he was under the cosh at times dealt with it Mm. I, uh, I also think he's uh, Brady will bring you in as well I think he's, uh, yes. his passing is going to bring a, another dimension as well I'm going to talk about Jonathan Hogg as my spotlight player after this um, but um, Naby Saad one thing that maybe that we've lacked since um, since maybe the Wagner days is a, a, a centre-back that can spot and switch the play very quickly Schindler's not too bad at it but he's not obviously he's not, not uh, Ronald Koeman or anything um, but we've all of a sudden got a player now, especially with the style of play that we play, people like Rotherham and other clubs will, will pack tight. You know, they'll pack tight in midfield to try and negate space for us so we won't be able to play through. And what's very key is to have a centre-back who can switch the play and stretch them again. And for me, this is 
quite an exciting attacking signing in many in, in a strange sense. Um, for you, what what different dimensions does Naby Sar bring? I know again, it's only one game, but what sort of different dimensions does he bring for you? You're talking Maybe. to me, Matt. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> just had to ask. Sorry, you're looking in the distance. It's like are you looking at? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think. I mean, shock, you know, a manager brings in a player that suits his style of play and we look a lot better. Um, you know, I think Saar looks like a good signing. I think we, we've we actually got quite a good uh, selection of centre-backs now with uh, Schindler, Stearman and Critchlow and Saar. I think uh, I spoke to, um, I can't remember, oh, struggling, but I spoke to a guy from Charlton Live, their like podcast about Naby Saar. And he was saying he'll get you on the edge of his seat. And, he, you know, he likes to take risks. And that's not always what you want to hear from a defender. But I think it is good, like Matt was saying, you know, like Glennon was saying, he was trying he was trying stuff. He was trying to ping balls out. You know, it didn't always come off, but it's good to see. And I think it does give opposition teams another dynamic to think about. And I, th- I think, he, you know, one game, so we won't, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, he he's a, he's a big lad as well. And, you know, he's he's got... A, he's, you know, he can help us in both boxes. He can help us defend. He can help us attack. So um, I'm, I'm pleased to see how he gets on. I mean, it was disappointing for Critchlow because he played, uh, you know, deserved man of the match against Forrest. But um, yeah, Sal was really good, really impressed. And um, again, I know we've criticised the recruitment team before, but you've got to say on a free, fair play. I think it's a, I think it's a good signing. Well, you think, though, that it's a cobra and it gives me a lot of art, does that? He's not here to make friends, mate. He's here to make the big decisions. You know, there's so many people wouldn't have picked, you know, if we'd have had a poll out, would you drop Critchlow? It would have been 85, 90% would say no. I, I love that. He's on about winning football matches. He's not bothered about pleasing people. And it's such a big call, that, because a, a lot, you know, young lads kind of had a good job. So I'm really pleased to see that. And I'd really... I really like the kind of this guy's body language on the bench, and I like the celebrations at the end. I, I think we've got a bit of a gemmy, and I would, I would, you know, I've nothing against Critchlard. I would, I'm one for making easy decisions. I'd have kept him in, but I, it just shows, mate, that Carlos Corbran is here to make yeah, a needed. difference. Isn't it nice though to have that dilemma for a change? You know, no, you, you, you might have looked at someone like Critchlard at the start of the season, thinking, you know, he's a young lad. How is he going to cope and stuff like that? And now, actually. You know, he's proved himself that he can step up. So if, if Schindler or you know Nabisar are injured, all of a sudden you're not you're not worrying as much that you know like a youngster's coming in. You've got a bit of confidence, and competition for places is probably something that we've been lacking at town for you know 18 months. And if you've got two players, you know I'm a big believer that you should have two players that are capable of playing first team for every position because it just gives them that competition. They've got to stay sharp, and uh, it's actually nice to have that dilemma for once. Matt, what's your picking order for centre-halves? If everyone's fit, who are you picking? Because to me, Schindler, Schindler ain't getting in at the moment for me, pal. Matt Glennon, I think this is too. Because he doesn't usually talk to me, yeah. So, Matt, yeah. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I said the other day, I think Hogg is under pressure and I think Schindler's under pressure. Absolute legends at the club, don't get me wrong, they've been fantastic. But Iting has got a forward pass, he gets around the pitch and he's got a tackle in him as well. And Schindler... Sometimes it looks like he's, he's towing a caravan. You know what I mean? And you're thinking, oh, is he going to get there? Now, more often he does, yes. But because the fans love him, he gets away with a hell of a lot more than Sturman does. He gets away with a lot more than other players do as well. And people just seem to breeze over it. I don't breeze over it because it's not my job to breeze over things. And I, I mean, I think Schindler's been amazing for 90% of the time he's been there. But when he goes on his, his dodgy spells, no one says a thing. And at the minute, Sturman, Zar play for me because they were excellent. And yeah, Critchlow, still a young lad. Well, he's not that young. He's 21, 22. 
is that young anymore? Is that really young? He should not be really. ready to play for the first team. But he's not got the experience. Town are looking to play forward. And no, Sturm and Crystal all day for me. And the other two just, they just, you know, put themselves in the team. They're the two first names on the T-shirt for me, Pippa and, and Toffolo. Cosy, I think you've got to bear in mind Romani Edmonds Green's still injured as well. And he's very much in the mould of the, the centre-backs that... Uh, Corbrand's looking to play with as well. He, he steps out, he's quick, he brings it out, he can play. And, um, you know, he's not he's not big, you know, he's, he's, he's five, 11, six foot, you know, he's not a massive centre-half, but he can play and he's adaptable as well. And one thing with Stearman, which we mentioned last week, and I mentioned it earlier when people were talking about Zanka as well, when these centre-backs get stuck on the right touchline, they tend to panic a bit. We saw Stearman um, get... Uh, nutmegged at Brentford, you know, wide on the right. And we saw him where he should have been sent off against Forrest. You know, he's not comfortable out there. Romani Edmonds-Green is the player who is comfortable out there. And I think at some point this season, I know he's not experienced at the minute, but I think at some point this season, we'll start to see Edmonds-Green play more and more and more. And maybe towards the end of the season, start nudging the two more experienced ones out. But that's that's one of my predictions for this season. Goal were poor though, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, it was a great strike from their angle, but I, I hate that when I, you know... I want to see guys throwing the bodies in front. It it just looked a poor, a poor. I don't know if I've ever been too critical, but it. Come on, Matt. Matt, if you're keeping and that's, you'll be going. Campbell's got to get there to be fair for the goal, and that's lack of communication again. People aren't talking. You can't let a player just come roll that far out and just have a strike. Why is no one talking? Why is no one shouting? Squeeze. What's going on? You know, it's a decent strike. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Took the Rotherham goal. So we're talking about and. No, it just it just didn't look right. It's way too far away from him. As uh, as president of the uh, the newly found Josh Caroma fan club, I think it's my duty to point out that uh, he was our top rated player on Infogol at the weekend. But I think we can praise him on one hand, but on the other, we've got to say he's, he's had two amazing chances on the day. The the miscontrol whereby he, he would have been through, which was an amazing ball by Iting. Something, Matt, you know, you've mentioned, you know, a player who looks to play forward and that's not something we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, a quick look up and quick ball over the top. Uh, and then the uh, the shot in the second half from Toffolo, which Poz wasn't on the highlights, so you probably missed that one. But um, it was the, uh, in terms of XG, which I know Cosy loves, uh, it was the highest uh, rated uh, presentable chance on the day that we had. Uh, and he scuffed that one wide of the post. Um, 39% <laughs> apparently 39% probability he should have scored but um, Matt what, what do you think of Josh Caroma because uh, we've been saying nice things you know in terms of his his, his arc in terms of how uh, he's developing you know we, we looked at him last year he looked a little bit slow a little bit not not heavy but he looked a little not quite up to speed you know what I mean it, it not not overweight you know like like me but you know he's he's it he just looked a bit a bit ploddy. This season, he looks sharp and he looks hungry and he looks good to me. His slope has gone up as his weight's gone down. You can see, you can see that he looks thinner, he looks leaner, he looks quicker. He, no, he said he wasn't he wasn't fat at all. He just had a bit too much bulk on him. He just needed to take that down a little bit for the position he's in. I think he's been excellent. On Saturday, it looked like he wanted to try a little bit too hard in that first that first portion of the game. But then when he got into it, it's you know what I mean. I, I think he's doing really well and. He is growing and growing and growing every single week. And Iting's ball through. Iting seems to have like, a, he seems to have like a, an radar, eight, isn't it? Nine iron where he just chips it over, over the top and just lands beautifully into somebody's path. He did it to Toffolo a couple of times for crosses as well. And you can see Chrome just leaning back a little bit. He thought, come on, just get your balance. And he was just unfortunate. But you know what? 
At least he's in them positions. Yeah. At least the ball is being played forward into him. And it's not sideways and back and ends up with Hamer back in goal again. The ball is going forward and in dangerous areas. Do you think... Um, it's another I member. He... Sorry, Brady. I'm just going to say that's another member to the Josh Caroma fan club, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been impressed with him too. Do you think it's just... Um, well, Matt, obviously, you're the, the only one who's, who's played the game here. Um, professionally, <clears throat> anyway. Do you think it's just... Cheers, um, that's all right, mate. <laughs> Do you think it's just one of them when he when he does eventually get a goal? Because I, I agree, I think he's trying too hard. You know, once he gets a goal, will he relax a bit and, you know, might he go on one of those runs? Or do you still think he's kind of too young to show a bit of consistency? He's not young again. Again, He's not particularly young again in the grand scheme of, of footballers. He's just young coming into this squad. I think attacking players want to attack. And I think Carlos Corbran is giving attackers the sense that they can go forward and they can do what they want going forward. You don't have to come backwards, sideways. You don't have to keep the ball constantly. You can try and do something when you're scoring. He's trying to come in on that right foot, trying to get that strike a little bit like Grant does a little bit and has been found out. I'm not sure Karoma has been yet, but I think you're right. When he gets that first goal, I think we'll see his face just go, thank God for that. You know what I mean? I've got that goal and he can just relax into the fact that he is now Huddersfield Town first team player, first team squad member, and he can just go on and get fitter, get stronger and get better. Matt, how good are our fullbacks? Oh, I was just going to say that, Matt. I'd, the thing is, if you didn't watch the game, you just saw the stats, one shot on target. But I lost count how many times, certainly Toffolo, more than Pippa, there was stuff flashing in the box left, right, and centre. It got me so frustrated because Carl and Grant or whoever should be there, you know, Campbell. Yeah, Carl and Grant, at this moment in time, we're probably sat in a deck chair on the edge of the 18-yard box. So oh. we'll, we'll, get into that. we'll get into that subject later on. But yeah, when they do get that established centre forward or that number ten he wants to bring in there, and those sort that sort of quality, even in Benza, especially against Forest, was putting superb balls into the box. And as soon as they get that that forward three working the right way to make those runs near post, middle, far post, across the keeper, that kind of thing. When they get that sorted with an established forward, because Campbell, the great work that he does, he's not a finisher. Yes, it was a world class goal against uh, Nottingham Forest because of the build up and the finish. But as soon as they get that man who's going to make those dynamic runs into those places, I'm saying there's going to be no stopping that Toffolo and Pepper just constantly getting, you know what I mean, on the on the assist on the assist sheet every week. Toffolo were running riot on Saturday, man. One his of those ridiculous, does he? I think, they're, I think they're both great. They're just yeah, both of yeah. them are just constantly up and down, up and down, up and down, and it's it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Nutmeg someone the other day with a back heel. Nutmeg, you right back. Nutmeg someone. With a back heel, then put a ball into the box. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. It? Neil's slating me on. I'm just having a look on YouTube, and Neil's on there slating me for XG. But you know, I'll have to explain it to you again, Neil. You'll get on board one day. I promise. I promise. He won't. So he let's. Won't. No, I probably won't. No. He's going <laughs> to. He's going to reply and call me a shit house. I can see it coming. Right you know what? You know what though, Rotherham. I, I thought they were pretty. I feel they were pretty limited, but they haven't lost a game, limited. have they? But limited. Look, they do what they do. Mm. They know they haven't got the money to go and get these fantastic footballers, this and that. But what they've got is they've got solid professionals, they've got height, they've got fitness, they've got a manager that's very organised, and they've got a sprinkling of quality in the right places as well. He's a good and, manager as well, isn't he? Yeah, a good manager, and that's that's what you need. And he's been there building now. They've had the successes of last year. Obviously, they got up with a vote, but you know, what I mean, you'll take anything you can. And as I say, they've started the season well. I uh, last time I went to the uh, New York Stadium, it was for a speed awareness course for speeding on the way down to Wembley for the playoff final. I think that was the my favourite visit to uh, to Rotherham because it reminded me of the good old days and the Tommy Smith goal as well, Cosy. Which they haven't, they haven't better for on, twenty on years, have they? They haven't better for twenty years, have they? Is that a way? I think. Or... Did they not beat us at, at Huddersfield when Conor Salmon scored? 
Oh, sorry, yeah, it must be at their place. 40 yeah, and 15. Millmore, I, I remember Connor Salmon yeah. scoring and thinking, bloody hell, that was Yeah, that league. was a low point. I thought we were ready to match the league <laughs> yeah. two then. But, no offence, Connor, if you ever listen to, uh, no. to us. I remember, but, I remember playing, just a quick one, I remember playing at Plainmore, Plainmore and Andy Olsworth got sent off. But you, you have to go to the changing rooms with porter cabins and you had to walk down railway sleepers with scaffolding at the side to hold on to and it was covered in foam. So you didn't amazing. cut yourself on the end of the thingy. Great health and safety. Absolutely amazing, yeah. I love grounds like that, though, haven't you? Throwbacks and relics to the old days. Not, and... in, a cold, not in a cold shower and there's one for 14 people. No. As a fan, I'm watching you guys have to do it. It's brilliant, I'll be honest. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but a player I want to put in the spotlight is is Jonathan Hogg. I usually pick one player a week and, and chat about him in general. Um, I'll, I'll throw this to you as well, pause about Hoggies. Um, when Carlos Corbrand came in, I thought Hoggies' days were numbered. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, judging by how um, Corbran and, and Leeds played in particular with a, a deep-lying playmaker um, in front of the back four, you know, and in the first team and the 23. So I thought when when he came in, I was thinking, mm, he's not he's not going to play box-to-box, he's hoggy. But um, you have to give him a little bit of credit because when David Wagner came in, when he first came in, he was very much a pressuring box-to-box midfielder was Hoggy. He would just run up and down all day. And then Wagner's kind of honed him into a, a defensive number six, which I thought was, he was a, a real, you know, David Wagner used to say time and time again that Jonathan Hogg was the epitome of the, the Terrier spirit. And I could see again on Saturday, she, uh, shades of Jonathan Hogg just remolding once again. And going to go back to what you were talking about, Matt, in terms of Nabisar running out from the, you know, running out from the back, you know, stepping out as well. And Stearman to less effect, but it did do it on the right hand side as well. And what I saw was Jonathan Hogg acting as a, as a hook, if you like, or a pivot. And what he would do is when Saar stepped out, Jonathan Hogg would then step in and then you would keep your two shape. And then he would do it on the other side as well. And Rotherham broke forward twice. And it was Jonathan Hogg both times stopping the counter-attack as the, as the, the last line of defence. And I can quietly see Hoggy becoming an influential player once again in this system. Okay, he's not carolighting. He's not going to play the ball forward, he's, you know, especially if, he's get, if he gets pressed. But I can just see Jonathan Hogg, in terms of this system, becoming incredibly useful once again to this manager. And I think it's a credit to, to Hoggy as well at 32, how he's so ad- tactically so ad- you know flexible and adaptable. And I don't think he really gets the credit for... Um, for, for being for being that essentially I think everyone looks at him and just thinks you know Nottingham Forest last week where he should have been sent off he's gone in you know think of him as one of those players who goes in and, and gives it but I think defensively he's a smarter player than what we've given him credit for or certainly what I've given him credit for and pause I can see him playing a key role for the rest of this season maybe not week in week out but I can see a, a, a use for him whereas before maybe not um, yeah, I think uh, he's coming for for some well justified uh, criticism as, as Jonathan Hogg. Um, he's, he's obviously one of those players that you know sort of wears his heart on, on his sleeve. He doesn't like to lose. That's obvious. You know, when we're struggling, he's, he, he kind of maybe takes too much responsibility upon himself sometimes. Um, certainly last season, being in, getting himself into positions that he didn't need to be in, trying to do jobs for other people, maybe because they didn't have the confidence in their ability. I remember certainly a few of our playing terrible balls to people who then got tackled and then Og sort of gave them a bit of a bollocking. And, you know, he kind of lost his mojo a little bit. Um, again, probably because he was trying to do things that he didn't need to be doing. He's, he's the sort of player, Hog, that, as you just said, is, you know, his strength is box to box, putting himself around the pitch, making a tackle and, and playing it simple. Um, and that's why it works so effectively with with Aaron Moy because, you know, 
Hog won the ball, passed it to Moy, and and Moy uh, made things happen. And if he can get that uh, relationship going in there with uh, with Aiton, who, who seems very similar to Moy from what I've seen early on, um, then you know I think I think it could work. And I seem to remember when Wagner first came in, uh, right at the very very start, uh, he sort of used Dean Whitehead in a very similar role to what you've just described. Um, I certainly remember. Uh, almost the two centre halves sort of splitting, drop, yeah. dropping in, uh, almost to, to to make a three. Um, but as you just said, Art, you know the sort of the game plan now seems to be for the centre half to move forward. And if Hogg can just sit in and sort of almost protect that back line, um, it, it kind of stops the need for him to be charging around here, there, and everywhere. Um, it's sort of a little bit more reserved, but it's just that extra barrier, you know, as a as a defensive midfielder to break up the play and and pass it on. Um, a bit, a bit sort of. Um, you know, like Darren Bullock back in the day, he'd win the ball and just and just play it to somebody that could do something with it, you know, better than he can. So, yeah, as you say, 32, if he's reinvigorated and, and Carlos can get a, a tune out of him like Wagner did, then, you know, happy days. What do you think to that then, Matt? Do you think, do you think it's, uh, it's fair praise or do you think he's still going to be a bit sort of bit part maybe this year? And, and I suppose Lewis O'Brien is the, is the real sort of uh, conundrum there and, and where he fits in when he comes, when he's fit. Yeah, I think he's a bit more bit part, but that's that's not to do anything against his ability. Again, it's just the way the the manager plays plays the game. Jonathan Hogg's been a fantastic servant and, and continues to do that. But the problem is, just like you you fellas were saying there, when they play two up front, they drop into a three, which is Hogg, Zara, and Stearman, let's say, to allow Pippa and Toffolo to bomb forward and do what they do. But not everyone plays two up front. A lot of teams play one up front just like Huddersfield do. They pretend it's a three, but it's not. It's Campbell up there on his own with people supporting him. You know, it's like when people say, we play three in the back, you don't need to play five. But in the, in this system, the two will push forward, Hoggle drop in, make it into a three, three against two, and then it allows the two lads to get forward and that's how they're going to do. But not a lot of players, not a lot of teams play two up front anymore. We know that. You know, we, we cry out for the days of the big man, little man sometimes and, <laughs> and, and things like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's old school. But sometimes it works and sometimes you've got you've got to go for that. Not a lot of teams do, so that's why I think Hogg might be that one of the struggles. And when Lewis O'Brien comes back, let's be honest, Lewis O'Brien's a you know I mean he's an exceptional talent. And when he's up and running and fit, you're not dropping Iting and you're not dropping you know you're not dropping Lewis O'Brien when he's fit. Bakuna, another story. That's maybe something to move on about. But Hogg yeah. will play a big part, I think, in the season, just not a bigger part as he's played in the last few years. What about you? What do you? Where do you sit with uh, with Hoggy and that midfield? Sorry, were you saying me? Just went cut out a bit then, Matt. Yeah, yeah, Cosy. Yeah. yeah, I think the kit, the conundrum, like you said, is when O'Brien comes in. Uh, I didn't. It sounded like that he wasn't going to play on Saturday because obviously we took off just before half time on Friday. But you could never write the guy off, and uh, he had a really good game. But I have to say that I think sometimes when I don't, it's an old cliche, but rain, wind, local derby. This is Jonathan Ogg's time, and. Uh, I just wonder whether he'll be a bit savvy with Carlos and kind of pick him for, for certain games. But at the moment, uh, he's, you know, I don't think he, he would really move him aside, really. But whatever happens, I mean, I'll, I always, he keeps showing that game, doesn't that Watford Leicester game uh, now and again? Yeah, and it's uh, in the box, it, isn't it? And Ong's in the box. I mean, like, bloody hell, it, you never see that out of Seal Dia. So it just proves that he has, you know, he could probably get forward a bit more than, than not. But yeah, it's uh, he's someone you want on your team. And uh, I'm glad that he's still. Here and it just gives Carlos. I mean, we're on about the centre backs there and competition for places. It gives him a good headache in midfield as well, especially when O'Brien's fit. Yeah, I think. Um, sorry, Matt, just to jump in. No, go on, I, think, 
I think what's good, um, and uh, Glenn, I'm going to refer to you as Glennon just so I'm getting confused, but like, I think like what Matt Glennon said earlier, like it was, um, I think it's the same with Schindler, like Schindler's put in bad performances, Hogg's put in bad performances before. And I think they both need to not be relied on so much. I think that's, that's one of the issues because like you say, you know, before this season, who was going to replace Schindler? No one. And he, he did play, you know, did have some terrible games, you know, um, and the same with Hogg, like, you know, I think they need to not be relied on so much. And I think this is what's one of the positives of, of Corbyn. And, you know, we have players who can drop in, like you say, Iting. I agree. I don't think Hogg's going to gonna play every game, but he will have an important role to play. And uh, I think that's good for him. I think they need to have games where it's not just on them. And like you say, I remember last season, like you said, Pozza, where, you know, <laughs> I remember Jaden Brown getting dogs abuse from Hog, from uh, Hog, you know, messing up the passes to him. And like, I think they just need to, you know, classic Hog, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just needs to kind of go back to, you know, basics and, and simplify it and not have the pressure on them. Um, and yeah, I think that's a positive for them to kind of be trans, not transitioned out, but um, not have so much reliance on them. That's a good point. Let's. let's... Someone like uh, he's sorry, man, to cut you off again. Um, you know, you players like your Johnny Oggs and, and Schindlers and your Steermans and you know your Elfix and when you when you bring in a young players through from your uh, from your youth teams and stuff like that, there as you've just said, there there them sort of players are invaluable. You know, because they've been there, they've done it, and you know, even if they're not playing you know, 30 games a season, they're there every day at training and sometimes stuff that goes on, you know, in training and behind scenes, they can just be there as a as an advice giver or, um, you know, for, for young players to almost aspire to be like and, and look up to and be, you know, this guy's been there and done it, he can, you know, I've got a bit of an issue, what 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 would you do, Johnny, or what would you do, you know, Schindler or whatever. So they're good players to have around and if they need to fill in and they're still good enough, then, you know, happy days. What about Pippa, uh, Matt? Bloody hell. Getting in a box again, Spain under twenty ones. What a we've got five hundred grand, absolute steal, five hundred grand. And people say criticising the club, criticising people, all this sort of stuff. What a steal! If that's the calibre and the sort of players they're going to be bringing in, you chuck your Zah, your Iting, your Pippa in there, and he's getting a tune out of the other two. You know what I mean? The two of the three amigos as well. Then you know what? What? What can be wrong with Pippa for me? He was poor in the first 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. He, he looked a bit off his game on getting forward, a couple of bad touches. I thought, bloody hell, I hope I've not. I hope I've not given praise too early in. He's going to be some sort of dud. But he just got himself into the game. He started going forward. And he just showed what he's all about. You know what I mean? He was excellent. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's one hell of a find. It's unfortunate the international window, I think, is closed now anyway. To find another steal like that. But yeah, superb. For 500 grand, 500 grand is... Bloody hell, I think I'm still worth about 500 grand. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> today's market, today's market. I'm someone will pay it. No, uh, pay, someone pay it. Yeah, definitely not the wife. No, but uh, I was going to say, yeah, so for 500,000 pounds to have a ready-made man, he was in, the, he was in the, the country three days after, you know, after his first game. And again, someone like that is only going to get stronger and better. Great points. Uh, let's go to YouTube. Um, I, I threw out the question on there. Pete Collins says, we we always need somebody who can get stuck in against Rotherham. He was excellent. Uh, Mike say, Terrier 7 and 2 says, Hogg is the worst passing midfielder we have. Uh, Jacob Hurst says, more forward thinking for me, midfield three of Iting O'Brien and who is playing the best out of Daly, Bakuna and Pritchard. And that'll be a, a trick in itself, I think, uh, with uh, Bakuna sure, and Pritchard. Sure, sure. Minute. Um, Robert Wood says you can have too many forward thinking players you need a battler I I presume he means battler in there 
Um, and then Phil Marston says, you always need a city midfield, otherwise the defenders get too exposed. And uh, one thing I always referred to, or used to refer to Lewis O'Brien as last season was was Hog 2.0. He's got the battling qualities of Hog. Uh, maybe not the physical strength, but he can also go, go forward as well. And perhaps we'll see Iting drop into that six role when O'Brien's back and Iting will just be picking the passes off and you've got a busy midfield in there with, uh, with Lewis O'Brien. 74% position. Do you think it's too easy just to say the similarity Wagner, Middlesbrough game, Wednesday game? And too, easy, too easy. Too easy. Yeah. Because they go forward more. This is more attacking side. Wagner, the, the, you know as well because we've talked about it before. Lossell had more touches than some outfield players at times. It was across the back four, back to the keeper. Add it for a coffee and grab a sausage roll and come back and they were still passing the ball across the back four and at the thingy. I was like, Hog, Hoggy, anything happened? No, Mike, <laughs> and you're all right. They're still passing. And remember, do you remember when they played, we got beat by Wigan, they had 76% possession. Wigan had two, two uh, attacks from halfway line, two mistakes on the night from two yeah. separate And, and that was all they had. All the, stuff, all the possession, all everything, but in their own half. It was crap and it was boring. But it comes to the Premier League and that makes it amazing. So you, you take that. But when you've got it, and you're not winning and nothing's happening, then it's just, ugh, it's just, it's horrendous. Whereas Smack. now, you can see a definite, definite want to go forward. And I reckon, I don't know, I don't look at, you know, in the stats for where the action areas were, but I'm guessing the action areas in the second half, percentage-wise, were a lot higher in Rotherham's half than they were in Huddersfield's half. Yeah, Matt- I saw a heat map and it tended to be yeah. final third, down wings, which is obviously a tougher line. You, you know, you people getting forward, and uh, I think if we, as you say, if we can get that striker in who can be in the box, you know, someone like Jordan Rhodes. I mean, maybe not now, but of that ill, no. he'd, he'd have scored you know forty odd goals with, with how we played on Saturday. So here we go, seventy eight percent possession pause in the second half, mate. He's good. And you, can look, you know, I, I I do like a good stat, me, but there's only one stat that counts. Anyway. Oh, here he goes. You know, final score. score. <laughs> 272 passes, mate, in the second half. They only had 84. Come on, Pods, you'll love it, man. They had 84. <laughs> is that right? Rotherham had 84 passes in the second half. Yeah, caught it a flash score, mate. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I think Rotherham just used to just blast the ball forward into corners, didn't they, just to get rid of it? Which to be is... fair, they got their goal, though, haven't they? So I suppose they were so, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changed yeah, the game, didn't it? Oh, bloody hell. I think I passed more biscuits across my lips yeah. than that. <laughs> if, we had a, if we had a striker, though, it was so frustrating. I, yeah. I was, oh, God. Matt, I mean, I'll, right. come on, I'll come on to that cause. Sorry, I was going to say, what what does this side lack? You know, moving forward, and cause you've you've mentioned a striker there potentially, or Danny Ward maybe coming back in. But the window's going on; it's rumbling on uh, it domestically until the sixteenth. Yeah. I suspect Grant will go eventually. I think it's just a, a game. He's got to go this week for me. He's got just to go well, this, week, this week or early next. Otherwise, he trains with the first team and he plays, <laughs> and that's it. You get it. You get it, man. When when it's the sixteenth, the window. Sixteenth, Friday the sixteenth. Yeah. I think. I don't know what your language is like on, allowed on this podcast, but I think best. Say what you want, Matt. Pass the watershed. It's eighteen. It's eighteen million. That's what they're saying. That's a third choice right back in the Premier League. That's not a, 20, a nineteen goal striker from a poor Huddersfield Town team last season. You know what I mean? He scores goals. He scored goals in the Premier League. He scored goals there. Yes, he switched off a little bit Huddersfield uh, near the end, but he's a goal scorer. Eighteen million is nothing. And if they're not willing to give Huddersfield Town a chunk. Early on, so they can go and reinvest in their team. You know what I mean? They're doing others, they're doing West Brom a favour as much as West Brom are doing others feel the favour. And I'd tell them to piss off and get him in the team and, and that's it and get on with it. Because you're only gonna have to spend money anyway to go and replace him. So 
I don't you're not gonna spend that much money, obviously, but just whatever bit they were gonna give Huddersfield, then tell them to screw them and that's it. Maybe look somewhere else or get him training with the first team and get any plays against Swansea. I think you're right. You're right, Matt. I, I keep seeing a few town fans saying, oh, we should be selling him with, you know, because I think they're reading a lot into these interviews and with Skint, this, that, and other. But yeah, why should we? What was the guy that McBurney went for 20 million in a patch on Grant for me? But don't let West Brom dictate everything you can't. West Brom, are t- for me, taking them in because they're just drawing it out, drawing it out, drawing it out. They've obviously got other targets. They've probably missed out yesterday or whenever it was, the transfer deadline for international Premier League. <clears> they probably had a little cheap Italian. Italian or Spanish geese are thinking they're going to bring in. They've not got him. And for me now, that contract should be signed by, by Friday and done and dusted so we can move on and everyone can move on. Mm, I think everyone would agree with that. And, uh, and definitely, Cosy, I agree with you that Huddersfield shouldn't buckle on on price, certainly, if there's a value, stick to it. And like you say, Matt, Ollie Watkins, Ollie, uh, Ollie Watkins has done fantastic so far, but he's gone for you know almost 33 million there. And Grant's not in his ballpark, but he's not a million miles away. In, in well, terms of goals, thirteen million away, fourteen million away. That is exactly, yeah. That's my that was my point. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So the price is decent. Yeah. Yeah. With no service, mm. well, you know I mean, we know service is score nineteen. How are you enjoying the the changing style as well, Max? I remember the first game of the season against Norwich. You you were quite not happy with the defeat, but you were happy with what you saw on the pitch. You know, in terms of the style that Corbrand's brought to the club. Um, and I'm going to bo- I'm just I'm going to mention XG again just to annoy Neil online. But you know, last year we were 20th in terms of expected goals under the Cowlers. You know, we weren't a particularly exciting side, and we've moved up to 13th so far this season. So we can already see, you know, a slight improvement in the fact that Huddersfield are attacking more, and there's more intent. Really, not so much goals, but more intent. Um, how are you? In, how are you enjoying it? Really, with 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 what you're seeing, and and what, how do you see sort of the end goal being with uh, with the way that we're playing? Well, I did enjoy the Brentford game because Brentford are superb, to be fair. Brentford are an excellent team, strong, quick, fast. It was always going to always gonna be trouble. Then you lose your two defenders in the first half, two of your, you know, I mean, your stronger defenders. So it was always going to be an uphill challenge. But yeah, the Norwich game, you could definitely see something. It wasn't amazing. Let's not get wrong. But they went forward. You know what I mean? They tried to work the goalkeeper. They tried to get shots. They tried to get crosses. They were trying to go forward all the time when they got the ball. It was on the half turn. It was... It was just, it was just different. It wasn't amazing, not wrong. But if you know, I mean, I've watched every game. You fellas watch every game. Some of the shit they've had to watch over the last couple of years. You know, what I mean, in negative football, suddenly you're seeing a team against a very strong Norwich team. Let's not forget, not lost a lot of players. Added eleven. I was it eleven players to their squad. Spent a lot of money, and you get a one nil slim defeat. You think, oh, we're looking out to get a draw today. Not often you'd say that. Brentford leave it alone. Then Forest. You move on to Forest. And I thought Forest was, I thought Forest was excellent. I thought it was a again a good game, still slightly weak in areas. And you know what I mean? I'm not getting me my jamboree and all my things out yet. But mm. it was still a step forward. And I think Saturday second half again was a step forward again. And I'm finding myself saying more positive things, even about Mbenza and Diacarbi, which you know what I mean, before I had to drink a lot of alcohol before I'd say anything nice about them. You know what I mean? Now I'm saying Mbenza, wow, what a selection of crosses he's putting. Diacarbi against Forest. You know, no, sorry, against Norwich, the first game. Did his job. You know what I mean? Uh, I can't remember the, um, the, the right-back who kept bombing. Max Aarons, wasn't it? Aarons, yeah. But he stuck with him. Did his job. He did exactly what he was told to do, where usually, last season, he's up looking at the birdies. You know what I mean? Seeing if the sun's coming out, worrying about what he's going to do tonight, the night, that night. He didn't. He did his job, and he did it well. So there's loads of encouragement. Even Ben Hamer's making saves. I know. What about um, the other uh, guy beginning with B, Bakuna? I mean... He's just playing his way out of the team to me at the moment. I can't. 
No. Surely Corbin's patience has got to finish with him very soon, I think. He's, uh, he, he's, he does what he wants when he wants, and as simple as that. And you, in a team, if we are going to say they are going to be slightly like a Leeds team, I know people don't like to say it, but they're going to be high-pressed, high-passion, high-everything. Then Bakun doesn't fit in because he doesn't do it. He does it when he feels like it. He lost the ball the other day and he banged the floor and sort of had a hissy fit. He should be getting back and getting the ball back. It's not about you. It's about Huddersfield Town. It's about this team going forward. It's not about you giving the ball away or you thought someone should have made a run that your fantastic back flick should have gone to. You've messed up. Get off your ass. Get the ball back and see what happens. It, I don't know what you fellas think. When you have a, a player on the pitch who pretty much does what he wants, unless it's Eric Cantona, because he can do what he wants, because <laughs> he just scored goals and won games. But you have players who just, you know what I mean, go around the pitch and pick and choose. I think it, it, it sort of, the other players see that and they slacken off a little bit. I think it's a psychological thing as well when you see a player like that just walking around doing what he wants. I think other players switch off a little bit, not on purpose. I don't think it helps the overall team shape, team morale, team anything. Matt, I see an immature player with Bakun as someone who's um, mentally immature in, in terms oh. of his game. Uh, not, not not saying, you know, personality-wise, but in terms of the way he plays the game for me, he seems yeah. immature. And one thing that I, I contemplate is I wonder if Huddersfield Town is just not a big enough deal for him. You know, championship football, Huddersfield Town. It was linked with Rangers. Yeah, same um, as Congola. Same as Congola. He decided in the championship, now nah, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to waltz around. I'm going to do what I want. I'm, I'm too big for Huddersfield Town. I should be in the Premier League. And yeah, maybe Bakuna's the same. Maybe he's thinking there's something I saw him link with Rangers or something earlier yeah. on in the week or something like that. You'll have a rude awakening going up there. You walk That's, around, yeah. you'll have fans running on the pitch and dragging you off the pitch. Maybe well, I just wonder there. if it'll take a club like that to get the best out of him because I don't think it's probably going to happen. At, yeah, one of the amazing Congolo appeared on that video today, yeah, from the club's training ground. Woo. He was yeah. running as well. <laughs> that was, I know, I knew he was running. put in the stands. It wasn't one of them, was it? <laughs> no. I think no. it had a tagged Chris Wilder in the tweet, didn't it? Yeah, come and get I think me. It, yeah, there was a price tag hanging from Chris it. Chris Wilder was Jim with the barge pole. No, yeah. No. Um, right, so it's good. So uh, you guys, so Brady, I'm going to come to you for a moment. So this is just something brief I wanted to mention as well. So Huddersfield Town women have kicked off their season as well. Um, I just wanted to dip, uh, doff my cap to them, really. Um, they beat Hull 2-1 and Sunderland 3-0 and... And big things could happen for uh, Huddersfield Town women this season. They've got a decent side down there. Um, I just hope that the Huddersfield Town board uh, continues to support them uh, and gives them uh, a little bit of help, you know, in terms of, you know, let them use canal side like they have done previously and and just and just sort of gets behind them, especially with COVID going on and things are difficult. And uh, and Brady, you spoke to Laura Elford, didn't you? The striker who seems to start the season well and... Um, Things look quite good, don't they, for, for them this season? And uh, they seem to be quite fancied. No, definitely. Um, well, yeah, obviously the uh, article's up on the on the website if anyone wants to give it a read. But um, yeah, Laura was banging on about um, how uh, Jordan Wimpenny, the uh, the new new coach, has like, really improved things. And it feels as professional as it can be um, for that league. You know, obviously women's football is different and the investment isn't quite so much. But all sounds positive. I mean, Laura, she... She's got three goals now, or maybe four. Um, but she got eleven in six preseason games. Um, but yeah, you know, um, Laura spoke about in the article about you know how they got to play at the John Smith Stadium, and that that was really good. You know, they had a record attendance for for the, for the uh, women's team, and I think it's just given the the club more opportunities like that. You know, um, I, 
because women women's football is, is growing in popularity all the time. I mean, I'm sh- sure you guys know, but it was um, in the Second World War. It was actually really popular, and they they banned it because they didn't want it to take away from the men's game. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think the club, you know, obviously they got to take part in the uh, kit launch as well. I think that's good. But you more stuff like this, you know. I think it is more about the visibility and um, you know giving giving the women's team more opportunities. But yeah, they they look like um, they've got a good season and. Uh, uh, it's unfortunate it's been behind closed doors because I'd uh, like to go down and watch because uh, it'd be nice to see a town team doing well and winning. Uh, Scoring all those goals. goals as well, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah, good luck to them if anybody from there listens. Uh, so best of luck to them and we'll we'll touch base and uh, and check in on them uh, over the course of the season. So, Cosy, let's move on to uh, our glorious CEO. So, um, so Mr. Devlin. So I'm not sure if uh, if Mike. Devlin listens to this podcast. He probably doesn't, I suspect. Um, but if you do, Mark, he won't uh, do after tonight. If he does. <laughs> I'll, I'll be. Uh, we two a couple of weeks ago. I offered uh, on this podcast to to host a Zoom meeting for Mike Devlin because, uh, you know, with a with well, host a Zoom meeting with a, a handful of fans in in what would be a respectful environment whereby we can ask key questions. And it wouldn't just be this podcast; it would be people from from outside. So we've got a good breadth of uh, of people doing so. Um, because at the moment we've got quite a, a large number of unhappy fans, quite a large number of, of people asking questions and not getting any answers, uh, and the heat is rising in terms of uh, in terms of the feeling of the fans as well. And um, I think Mark could really help himself by just having a chat with a few of us, and you know, and that going across online. You know, it's it, you know, it's not going to get angry or offensive or anything. It's going to be quite respectful, like I say. So um, I just think the fans matter more than the national media do at this moment in time at Huddersfield Town. And that's just a point. Hopefully that gets get raised to him. But moving on. So he was again interviewed by Dan Rowan uh, and it split the fan base, I think it's fair to say, uh, Cosy. Uh, my understanding is that he's doing these interviews uh, regarding the pyramid, you know, the football pyramid in particular and, and not supposed to be doing it about Huddersfield Town. Um, and he's reluctant to do it from that perspective but he does get asked the questions and he, and he does provide the answers so um, a couple of highlights from his meeting which was on on BBC um, which was um, he, he, he mentions a lack of fans uh, has caused a black hole of between three and four million and that the club are trying to budget for fans missing for all of the season or people just or people you know coming back in drips and jabs from January uh, the, the well the thing behind it really is that he's proposing a bailout from the Premier League and the government um, and he's highlighting in particular the issues that League One and two clubs uh, are having in particular in terms of cash flow. Um, you know, Andy Holt from Akron Stanley is, is, is also somebody who um, is worth reading on Twitter as well. And he's mentioning the same things. Um, Man City again today have, have made a, a sneaky move whereby they've mentioned that they'd like to see B teams introduced into the, into the Football League pyramid. Um, so whatever we do, make sure that we uh, avoid the shithouse elitism that comes with the top six clubs because they've already bullied the football league in terms of the EPPP system and check a trade trophy. So, you know, let's not get bullied onto this as well. So, so my question to you guys, so any of you put your hand up if you want to take the pause. So I'm going to come to you because you look, oh, Matt, well, but you two, you can, you can fight over this. This is great. <laughs> so I'll come to you two guys. So town fans are unhappy that a club who's got 80 million in parachute payments over the next few years and turned down a shirt sponsorship and haggling for, you know, payment structures over Carl and Grant, et cetera, are effectively heading the bailout talk. Is this fair uh, or are we targeted specifically because it was Phil who went on TalkSpot with Jim White five months ago, didn't he? And he 
he kind of predicted this scenario. Um, so I think Huddersfield Town are, are sought after, if you like, as 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 almost like a, a font of knowledge, if you like. Um, how do you feel then about this and considering Town are paying £50 million into a bank account in Upper Hopton as well uh, and bringing big amounts of transfer fees in? There's a lot of ill feeling towards the football club and I there's one I didn't think the interview was that bad, but there was one part of the interview which stuck out for me, which I just thought... I don't like that, Mark. And that was where he referred to Huddersfield Town as a community asset. And uh, he endorsed the community value of Huddersfield and the jobs in particular that provides for the community, which I thought was a little bit cheeky considering they're making a lot of redundancies down there as well. So how do you guys feel about this in particular? Um, It's a difficult conversation for Mark Devlin. I do appreciate that for him because Huddersfield Town are not the only club and he's trying to fight for everybody. But how has it been construed, uh, Pause, in terms of the fan base and with you in particular? I'll shut up now and let you guys... I think just before I sort of move on, I think we can all understand that uh, the situation is the situation. And I think fans uh, would be a lot... sort of understand that the club, uh, when Phil took over, may have had... A, a season plan and then beyond that a two season plan and you know he mentioned the three windows uh, and all that sort of stuff when he first came in to sort of overhaul the squad and and things change things change in football and obviously with, with coronavirus things have changed you know globally for, for everybody uh, I think the thing that certainly sort of getting my back up is there just seems to be absolutely no information coming out to Huddersfield Town fans from anyone at the club um, we had you know Phil going on on talk sport basically uh, what did talk sport he went on um, to say how Jim White yeah Jim, Jim, White, people, yeah. Jim White yeah um, you know sort of telling everyone that the problems that football clubs would have and will have uh, and are having it seems which you know at the time were fine it's one of those it is what it is there's, there's not just football suffering there's businesses in every sector suffering due to lack of customers and stuff like that and um I think the the thing, like I said, that's that's sort of getting people's backs up is the lack of direct communication to fans. And you see your your chairman and your CEO on these national media outlets, and we've almost become uh, the poster, the poster boys for this sort of campaign, shall we call it, to get a bailout. Um, is there or is there uh, something in that of you know he who shouts loudest is the most def- desperate? That's one way to take it. Is it no? As you've said, Phil were the first one to go out there, so naturally they come back to us to get our, you know, ongoing views on it and stuff like that. I've personally got no problem with people from Huddersfield Town being, you know, championing this cause because there will be clubs lower down the leagues that, that desperately, desperately need this money. Um, I just think it's a little bit rich when fans uh, are not being told anything about, you know, the, the goings on at the club. Uh, we're desperate. For transfers, you know, there's no news. There's not even sort of any rumours. Again, it might be due to coronavirus and press conferences and stuff, but, you know, are we looking to bring in X in? You know, all it would take is a little bit of communication to say, look, you know, fans, we were looking at bringing X, Y and Z in. We've not been able to do that because, you know, A, B and C has happened. Until this happens, we can't do this. Um, You know, I don't think anyone's scrutinising pounds and pence, you know, this is what we've got, this is what we haven't got. But just give us a, a bit more of a rough idea of what's actually going on so we can understand more than, you know, more than anything. You know, we might not like what we're told, but if we can have some rationale and reasoning behind it. Uh, and it just seems a little bit egotistical for me that 
you know, Phil and Mark are putting themselves in the spotlight for the whole football league when actually from the outside looking in, as you say, we're getting, you know, multi-million payments for transfer, uh, for parachute payments. We're actively turning away income because the sponsorship doesn't fit our, you know, expectations or, you know, whatever that means. We're, we are holding on to Grant, who's a... Uh, Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You know, a massive asset. If we were absolutely desperate for cash, you know, as as, as poor as it'd be, you, you've got to take what you can get sometimes. And the two don't weigh up, you know, on a weighing scale. On one hand, we're sort of saying, you know, we don't need this money. And then all around, we've got us two main people at the club on, you know, national spotlight telling everybody, you know, how, how skint football in general is. And it's a bit rich us telling everybody how skint we are, but then saying to West Brom, we're not letting you have our player until you give us more money. So, you know, it's either one or other for me. And I think that's the main um, sort of anger from people that I know anywhere. It's the it's the lack of lack of communication, the lack of clarity to the situation. And, you know, what what is going on? Just tell us. We, we don't need, like I say, needle and haystack details. We just need a, a brief overview of what's actually going on. And I think, as I've said before on, on, on podcast and, you know, various, you know, social media and stuff, whenever there's an information vacuum, people will fill that, that space with absolute nonsense. Uh, you know, some of the stuff you read, it's like, it just can't be true, but people jump on it and, you know, Twitter, all it takes is 10, 15 retweets. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's a fact. Look at the, the Navisar thing, you know, with the car crash. I had people texting me about it and stuff. And something so, you know, minuscule can soon blow up into something big. And if the club just fill those information gaps, people will be a lot happier. So not the ideal poster boy, right. Matt. Yeah, right. Thing is, whatever Phil says, he gets battered anyway. Let's be honest. I mean, he's no friend of mine. He's no thing. I don't know him. I've had him on my show. Everything you've had him on here. And I thought it was excellent when you fellas interviewed him on here and he gave a lot out. He's got a bit of bravado. He's got a little bit, he's a bit different than Dean, you know what I mean? He sticks his chest out, he's a little bit taller. And I just think people just batter him no matter what. Devlin comes out and says something, he gets battered anyway. And you're not going to have a Sean Jarvis all the time who's going to tweet everything he thinks every time he says it. You're not going to have a Sean Jarvis all the time. And I think, you know what I mean? The fans have made up their mind about the chairman and it is as simple as that. For me, there is a massive void in football. When the fans are in the stadium and they're not paying for anything, and you're not selling that box on the corner for £10,000 a game, you've got to pay Congola thirty grand a week. You've got to pay other players £20,000 a week. Of course the money's going to start running out. You've got bills to pay. You've got transfer fees still to pay. Don't forget, these, these, they're set out during the contracts. You don't buy Congola for £18 million, then pay £18 million. You're paying £4 million, £5 million a year. 
And if, you know what I mean, Carl and Grant, if West Brom are taking the piss with the money they're going to offer him, then you turn around and say no. You can't say I'm skinned, so please, okay, I'll, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take five, two million now when you want five. Well, we'll keep him then. So that's it. You can't be bullied because, you know what I mean, you haven't got the millions to go out and spend players. I think it's just a really tough time at the minute and people need to realise that also the money men behind the scenes have businesses as well that have been affected by the coronavirus. We've all been affected. I've been affected massively by it. You know what I mean? And obviously a much smaller way than other people. I just think how much information do people want? You're not going to come out and say, right, we were looking at such and such, him, him, him. I've never known a club who comes out and tells you six of their targets. Oh, but we missed out on him because he went here. I've never heard a club come out and say that. They, they tell you as much as they want. At the minute, you're getting less because Dean was good at telling everyone. Sean Jarvis told everyone everything. You were spoilt a little bit, I think, by certain people within the club. Other clubs don't tell you everything. And especially at this moment in time, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to be going after people constantly. When we're seeing your, your, your Zah coming in, you're seeing Pepper coming in, you're seeing players starting to come through now. You're seeing West Brom taking the piss. You know what I mean? What I don't I don't understand why the big rigmarole for everything to be laid out because it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at any football club. Like, like I said, Dom, I don't I don't, yeah. don't think fans want a full detail. Well, you know, we went for John Smith, we went for Fred West. But when they do give more, then they get lambasted for not doing more again. So it's for me, because I, I I sit and I watch and read everything and then I have my phone ins afterwards. I had a bit of an issue with a fella after the game on Saturday. He rang up and he says, we just want to know more. So what do you want to know? Callan Grant, right, they want more money for him. What else do you want to know? Congola, he's injured, he can't go anywhere. What more do you want to know? And he couldn't tell me. I said, tell me what you are so upset about. What do you want to know from this football club that you don't know already or I can't tell you? And he couldn't answer me. He couldn't answer me. He just done a narrative. The Twitter crap and all that, because it's as you say, it snowballs, like exactly what you said. Snowball, snowball, snowballs. Then suddenly it's this massive thing. And it's like, it comes from nowhere. It comes from a little clown in his bedroom, writing a little Twitter thing, and suddenly it becomes huge. And I have to talk about it on the radio, and we have to talk about it on here, when some little scrote has just done that. And it's it's not right. Huddersfield Town is a fantastic football club who are going, I think, are going forward. Not with tons of money, because a lot of clubs haven't got some money. And as for the Premier League giving money, I think they should. Not, I think don't think it should be made to. I think morally, they should help the rest of the pyramid. Because the rest of the pyramid has helped them. Look at Jamie Vardy. Look at other players. Look at we've got the best football structure in the world. I played lower league. I've been in the Premier League when I started. I've dropped all the way down. I played non-league. It's amazing this country for football, and we shouldn't let it slip away. For what is it, 220, 230 million to keep the whole of the structure all the way down to League Two, going for the season. Bloody hell, that's two centre halves from Man City. That's that's a bit of TV money. It, it's a drop in the ocean to keep this fantastic structure. I don't want to see another Berry because that, you know I mean, by my Manchester lad as well and I've played at Gigland many times and I don't want to see that again because it, it didn't need to happen. Anyone else want to weigh in? Cozzy, Brady? I, I, go on. This, Sorry, I, I agree most with what Matt said to be honest with you. I think, when I, I I did I did seen all the shitstorm about this interview and when Dan Rowan comes calling, it's always it's all when Dan Rowan's in charge of a sports story, it's always a bad news story. It's always shit story. Someone's failed a drugs test or something. So why was it Udersil Town were really interesting to me? So as soon as I had this Dan Rowan interview, then uh, but to be honest, I I, I saw a lot of people saying, Oh, 
when they were going to administration or was skin. He, he never mentioned the Dusseel Town hardly, and Dan Rowan pushed him a little bit. And I think people were kind of putting two and two together, and we we were skin and stuff. I, I can kind of see people's point of view. Yeah, you know the the ex Premier team with the parachute payments and stuff like that. But I, I didn't think he said a lot wrong, to be honest with you. Part of me wonders why it was set up and. I just think you're right, man. I think if you did Zoom or a Q&A and stuff, I think you'd get lambasted. I mean, a good example I thought last week was the kit. Uh, so we would be crying out for some kind of deal, some kind of offer, and then the kit and the shirt. So you get your shirt, let's get it right here, get your scarf, get your mug and stuff. And again, the abuse was unbelievable under there yeah. and stuff. So yeah. I think it's, it's whatever they do. It's just They're kind not real of, fans, They're not real fans then for me. Get, They're not real fans. You know, but it's, I think... It is interesting they're going national rather than you know kind of local, but I think I think to be honest, man, I think you're right. I think if he came on your show and, and what have you on a Monday or whatever after a game on a Saturday, I, I think people have just made their minds up on these two, and I find it really hard to see. I think even if we got playoffs or something, I I saw a few people saying, well, if we win a few games, you know that that'll kind of take people's mind away, and I can kind of see that to a certain extent. But I do think some people have made up their minds about Phil Hodgkinson and. You know, the chief exec, and uh, to me, I, it's, it's not... Going back to these, these payments, these Premier League payments everyone keeps going about, don't forget the budget in the Championship when he got promoted was something like 14 million. Top earner was something like 12 grand a week. You've got players here now earning three times that, and you've got still payments to pay for players that you paid 10, 15 million for. So you wonder where the money's going. It's going paying for these expensive, some mistakes, some not, and wages. It's, it's a, they've been in a different world. And they're still slightly in there a little bit because they're still having to pay for that world that they were in. And that's where, you know, I mean, you can't just go out and go, right, that's it. We're going to go and sign a striker. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to get in. You've got to be savvy. And right now, in any business, any business, you've, you've got to be savvy what you're doing now with your cash because you don't know if we're going to get shut down again. Professional football might stop in two weeks. I don't think it will, personally, tell you the truth. I think it'll carry on. But we don't know if it's going to shut down and bang, we'll finish till whenever. You've got, you've got to think ahead. I think, I think it's, it's a um, good point. Sorry, Brady. I was just going to very quickly say I think no, it's a good point about the transfers because you know we we will get. I believe it's around five or six million for or whatever it is for Philip Billing coming in this summer. That goes straight out on Isaac and Benza, you know. So there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a conveyor belt of money sort of going out for on Premier League decisions. Um, in terms of the um, Zoom thing, it's it's very much cosy, a very sort of a small control group. Um, whereby relevant things, you know, will be asked if need be. I think one of the things that comes up constantly is, is canal side, and in terms of the money was set aside. You know, I'm, I'm talking in quotes. Uh, a certain amount was set aside for canal side, and uh, and certain assurances were made, and it doesn't seem to be happening. But no reasons been given for. That. I think if they just gave a reason and said, "Look, this money's going here," I think everyone would just go, "All right, fair enough." And, and I that's think that's what I, uh, point, that, that's what I were getting at. You know, because they said. In that interview, you know, he were talking in football in general, and that's fine. But when mm. when your CEO and when your chairman are out there making that, you know, comments to the rest of the world, you get a feeling in your, you know, it, does this include us? Does it not include us? And all it would take is, you know, after that, or even just a little article on website or whatever it might be, just to say, look, we're fronting this campaign. You know, mm. we we will be all right because of X, Y, and Z. But we're we're helping other clubs out, and you know, all of a sudden it just puts a different spin on it. 
I think the it's trouble that is, lack of it's just think, a lack of anything that, that that's sort of getting me a little bit riled up. And I think, if we are going to be all right, just just tell me that we're going to be all yeah, right, and then we'll I can I can forget yeah. about it. The trouble and is, I can look, get I, behind the campaign as well. I can help, the, you know. I'll the, the trouble is, the, the trouble is, we don't know if we're going to be all right. Can anyone say they're going to be all right? Because we don't know when fans are going to get back in the pandemic. No, but there's a difference you, between being being. When I say we're going to be all right, what I mean is, have we are we sort of in overdraft, so to speak, already, or have we got? Because we've planned X, Y, and Z, we've got enough to sort of see us through. Did you feel that interview? Did, did you feel say, that? He did say that to Professor Mark, didn't he? In the interview, he did say we were planning for the worst case scenario. So I think. But did you feel that interview? Because I get the impression that people watch that interview and were knackered. I I just didn't get that. No, I, didn't I just get that. I didn't get that. No, I think that's. I think, I think like there's I a big leap that, been made. You see that it just goes back to that. You know, them who shout the loudest are the most needy, and that that's yeah. kind of how I saw it. Um, you know, and, and and like you said, looking at what we've done very recently in regards to turning money away, it then becomes a bit rich to, to then be sort of banging your begging ball, so to speak. If we're banging it on behalf of everybody else and everyone's in it together, then, you know, absolutely fine. No problem with that. But if we're doing it just for Huddersfield Town, then, you know, communicate that, you know, just, just, just to be a little bit more open and honest. We don't need, like I say, thread through needle. We just need a little bit more of an overview of where we stand, and you know what? What do we expect? What What are the expectations? And then we know where we stand as fans because if we're expecting X, Y, and Z, and we, there's absolutely no way of getting to that, let us know that, and then we can lower those expectations a little bit, and then you know everyone's sort of singing from the same hymn sheet. Where's it all? I didn't know. Tony Stewart said today in the Yorkshire Post he thinks there'll be eight clubs will be maybe in administration by the end of this month. That depends on what they're very like, though, because the Premier League are talking to the EFL, aren't they, at this moment in time? The FA have got plenty of cash, the EFL have, and so have the Premier League. And let's not be honest, you know what I mean? They've just got to get them Swiss bank accounts out and start dishing a bit of cash out. Not to your badly runs, not to your chairmen, not to anything. I'm talking direct paying wages, paying everything that needs to be done, not to line someone, someone's pockets like that clown shoe that took Berry into out of existence, I'm talking about. They were talking you know, about 50 million, Matt, though, that... that... I don't think they want to give what... I, I said, what is it, 250 million they need? Is Rick well, Barrett saying? That's all, that, that's all 72, I think. But I don't think every every club in the 72 needs massive bailouts. I just think you you need the ones who really rely on the fans. I don't know. I, I don't know the fans ins and outs. I just think we should all be in it together. As in, I think the whole world should be in it together, to be fair. But especially the footballing world, we should all be in it together and we make sure everyone survives this the best we can. You can't just have a billion pounds sat in a pot in the Premier League pot and it stays there, and then Rochdale disappears, and you know what I mean. Someone else disappears from from the pyramid, and you've got that sat there. What's the point of it? All? It's got to be ring fenced as well, Matt, because if they do yeah. give a bailout, people can't just take the piss and start buying players again. You well, know, they and so, so, they you know. Do, they can do all that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the fan details. What I'm saying, it could just be put straight in there for wages, for players, for yeah. you know, just wages and stuff. You know, you can't go out and spend a million quid on someone else. We're doing this. You stay. You survive. Financially, maybe a, trans- maybe a transfer embargo for these clubs. You know, if you take this bailout, then yeah, yeah exactly. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 exactly, that's exactly how it should be. If you want, if you're going to ask for money, then it's like who was it? Liverpool putting their their staff on furlough. Are you winding me up? Then you go and spend fifty million pounds <laughs> um, on players. Get a grip. That was the first week yeah. of the pandemic. I think that I sat in my garden. Arsenal, Arsenal as well the other day, didn't they? What the hell's going on here? You know what though? It's absolutely screwed. I mean, like rugby union, rugby league have had a bailout from the from the government, and I, you look at the players that. Let's be honest, there's guys that have left at Uddersfield Town that will not get paid like that anywhere else. The the window 
I mean, I know we've got another 10 days to come. There's hardly any business. I mean, Burnley haven't signed anyone. They're struggling. Anyone else outside them, top six or eight, uh, there's nothing. And no surprise like Schindler's staying at Uddersfield Town because he's getting paid good money and he'll not get that anywhere else. That's yeah. the reason why all the a lot of these teams in the Championship have got these guys that are staying on with them. Danny Welbeck, did you see that this week? It's available. <laughs> did you see what he was getting paid? They can't afford his wages anymore. It's incredible. Grand week, yeah. 100 grand a week. He's just like... They're, they're knackered, man. They, the, the game is... Oh, it's so that scary. Ago, that one years ago, but we've got to keep, Ch- it. Um, got to keep it. Brady, force yourself, force your way in onto this one. Uh, let's hear what you've got. It's, hard. it's, so. a, it's a passionate subject. Uh, I think the thing is, I agree with a lot of the points. Um, I think there's two things here, and I agree... Well, agree with everyone. But, like, I can see why they're speaking to national media town. It's to, We've seen it with other clubs. It's to put pressure on this bailout from the government or from the Premier League or both. It's That's what it's for. I can understand the concern. Um, I think it's all about context, though. I think the reason I, f- I feel aggrieved sometimes as a supporter is because we've had two years of bad results, bad stuff happening to the club. And I think the thing that is frustrating, and I, I agree with you to a point, Matt, like, you know, what can they do? They're not going to be so open. And I appreciate that. I think it, it's just... It's the context, though. Everyone feels like we've had a raw deal for two years. Whether that's right or wrong, that's how the fans feel. And I think it comes across a little bit tone deaf when they are talking to other people. It seems like they're kind of ignoring us. I think we'll, we'll probably come on to it in one of my questions. But I think there's an issue with a club when you see rumours flying around and how quickly people pick it up. And I, I think if a club's doing well and the fan, you know, results... And I think this is being completely honest, results-driven as well. I think if we're winning, people don't give a crap about half this stuff. But I think when the club's been doing bad, we've not been getting a lot of communication and there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I think it's a bad situation when rumours, right or wrong, come up and people are happy to believe them. I mean, we'll probably come on to the, to the Andy Booth thing. But like, I think as well, how, how we replied to I know Twitter's a toxic place, but how Devlin replied to that, for me, was a bit not the best as well but I think it's just it's quite emotive it's quite toxic at the moment and I think that's a lot of it I, I do feel like we're getting so, not so club after, every time someone puts something on Twitter the club have to come out and deny it or say it's true you, you can't do that for every single thing that gets put on no, Twitter no I agree I'll talk, we'll, we'll move on to Andy Booth thing later on and other things you want to talk about but everything you put on there or you down at the max or your other stuff that people go on the club can't come out and say oh no that's not true yeah but I saw it on Twitter no, that's not right. And oh, Fels no, agree. Conference with his tie on and have his save lives, do everything, thing their banners out and, and start going through going through a Twitter poll because obviously that man needs to stay off Twitter anyway, which we know about. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's only so much you can, you know, I mean, we cannot confirm or deny what's going on uh, today. And, yeah. yeah it, it, it they, is did, a, they, did, they did do the, uh, the ATT panel, the Altogether Town panel, uh, hmm. did uh, the other day and, and they did print some notes from that, and uh, maybe people who want to ask questions maybe uh, maybe need to use that as an outlet in future going forward. Matt, but just shall we, shall just, we read some questions? Oh, yeah, just just questions. sorry, finishing the stadium thing. Sorry, but this week there seems to be a massive pressure. The, the clubs have gone up a gear. We've seen tweets from a lot of clubs. Why can't we get back in? This Royal Albert Hall thing's been thrown in. It's a big petition going EFL. I mean, all I can say at the moment, I think it's good if they were not playing in Scotland because there's no chance of a game there anytime soon. But it's, again, I've no dis- different opinion to last week, but I think clubs are so frustrated. They can't understand why they can't have socially distanced 
football. And I just, because Matt, you've been in the grounds. Why can't we have it? You've been in the stadiums. Can we have it? All you've got to say to the, 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 the fans is, it might take a little bit longer to get in. It might take a little bit longer to get out. And that's it. And everyone will be happy with that. I don't know how they decide who gets tickets. But yeah, you could have a third of the fans in there, social distance. You're outdoors. You've got to wear your masks, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So you're not going to, I mean, apart from when you're belting something out, I'm sure that's not going to happen so much. But, you know, they've got, they've got to do a risk assessment and see what the chances really are when you're outdoors. If you can go to cinema and watch, you know what I mean, watch the game. Is it Chesterfield that is showing the game on a big screen in their lounge with the blind closed so you can't actually see the pitch? So the pitch is there. You're in the lounge watching it on a big screen. But you can't open the curtains to watch I think it. Live. The game got abandoned anyway. But I mean, there's—I don't know if it's a call in the bluff. But there were a story coming out tonight that the clubs are pushing ahead with plans to show the game in the ground and getting fans in. I think they're doing everything they can to get that pressure on the sports minister really to do really? something. But it's fresh air. The big Tesco next to Chesterfield—they can all go stand in that, but they can't go stand in the football ground. It seems a little bit daft, doesn't it? Uh, but there is a uh, cosy. There is a. Um, a uh, thing you can sign, fill me in with the words. Uh, there's a uh, <laughs> let me go to my notes very quickly. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know why I had a blank on the word petition, but yeah, so there's a petition online which is going around at the minute. If you think that um, it would help if you sign that, uh, then you can sign. I believe it's got over 100,000 signatures, so it will be discussed in parliament. It's interesting, Matt. The clubs seem to, I mean, Shrewsbury, I saw a few clubs that are, it's almost, I don't know if it's just the we need fans in our way knackered or it's just they've just had enough situation but this week there's been a lot of clubs gone really big on it not support associates but the actual club copying Boris Johnson in tweets and stuff like that. it feels well, like it's coming to a head now well, it was supposed to happen last week wasn't it so everyone was planning for fans again Chesterfield spent what thousands of pounds of getting all the, the pigeon shite out of the stands and everything else to get them <laughs> to get the fans back in then at the, at the final the final uh, minute they got pulled they spent all this money investing getting the stadium ready to rock and roll and go for the National League start of the season. And then, nope, you're not allowed them in. So, uh, again, this week, they were supposed to be in there. So now they've got to start ramping up, you say, ramping up the pressure to get them in there. They should be allowing a certain amount in. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. Excellent. Let's read some comments out then from, uh, from what we've had going on. So... Uh, let's have a look at Doug Barnett says quite right too about Devlin and PH. I don't understand why they both reluctant to talk to the fans for every internet troll to the fans for every internet troll. There are plenty of reasonable fans with reasonable questions, but yeah, I, I think you're very right, Matt, in the fact that they can't address every room. Otherwise they'd be just sat there on social media all day. Uh, Daniel Sanderson says, I don't mind them doing interviews with the BBC and talks, but why aren't they talking to the fans? Last Q and A was in February. Let's move it down a little bit. Uh, Rob Wood said he had the conversation about it with Phil about three weeks ago, and he said it would improve. So that's uh, good to know. Um, Paul Gibson says, I didn't see much wrong with interviews as long as it's alongside communication with fans. Uh, Chris Watson says, I don't think Phil even mentioned or commented on why Cowley was sacked. Um, I think he did. Uh, there was quite a, uh, there's Lee Bromby was sent out to do that. Uh, and then Paul Gibson says he can understand Phil stepping back with the way his relationship with the fans has gone, uh, but he should be pushing Devlin Bromby, et cetera, to be more visible, which I think he is doing. But I think, Matt, you're very right in saying that Sean Jarvis and, and Dean Hall were, were so visible that it's probably set some unrealistic expectations for whoever would would follow them. And I think that was always going to be a, a, a difficult transition from that, uh, whoever came in. Um and then there's uh, a little bit more now. So Chris Watson said, uh, there's no generic statements. Remember when Carly said they'll always get rubbish off fans, people paying for season tickets, et cetera. 
Um, and then I'll scroll down to the bottom. And it's most of the stuff going on. So Chris Green says it's good to see that there's a petition going on. It's not good enough that clubs were making their fans ready for the fans' return just for the government to, to change their mind. And I think you're right in uh, mentioning the Royal Albert Hall, etc., and going to the cinema, which is indoors. Uh, you can sit next to each other indoors at the cinema where you're more likely to uh, have germs spread than outdoors at the football. So there we go. So let's move on to uh, the next topic. And it is Mr. Frost. I believe you've been busy on Twitter with a couple of questions. Yeah, um, it's actually quite related to what we were talking about. Um, the first one was from uh, Mr. Hurst. Uh, and yeah, this is to anyone. But, um, what is it going to take to unite the fans behind the chairman and the board? Do you think it's a winning team or a, a new owner? Um, Mr. Hurst said, personally, I find the ignorance about financial matters that some fans openly display on Twitter shocking. So yeah, well, I suppose I'll start with you, Matt, because obviously you're, you're there. What do you think it is going to take to unite the fans behind the, the board and the chairman? Uh, I think it's going to have to be uh, a mark, well, a, decent, a good centre forward coming in. I think the Carlos Corbran style of play really taking hold and people believing in why he set the Cowleys. Set the Cowleys because it was it was never going to be like this. It was never going to be like this. I don't care what they say or what they spout. It was never going to be this. And you know what I mean? He saw the you saw the behaviour on the sidelines and things. It wasn't the Huddersfield Town way of doing things. Uh, I think yeah, when the team starts going successful, as simple as that. It's, again, it's the same in football when you're not winning. You know what I mean? When people aren't being communicated as much as you'd like them to be, Chinese whispers, which is now Twitter and everything else starts going and people become poisonous with it. Uh, I don't believe the majority of the, you know what I mean, the, the, the real football fans, real town fans, I think they're a lot more measured than some of the, as Paul said, they're the, the ones who, the majority shout the loudest and, and get heard more than anyone. Uh, I just think a winning team and a winning way of football and bringing in some more quality and spending you know what I mean? A little bit little bit of money, not fortune, because nobody is. And yeah, I think just tweak a few things, like you say. Players, a little bit more uh, open with the fans, a little more bit of this and that. And it's just going to take time. It's going to take time but to believe him because, as you say, and Cosy was saying, people have made their mind up, which is wrong, as early as they have. And they've listened to other people and allowed their minds to be poisoned by, by other, you know what I mean, outsources. And yeah, they've just, just got to keep pushing forward and it'll all be fine. I do wonder, Matt, whether some of this is the fact that we can't get in the stadium. I mean, you could argue the other way. If we could get in the grounds, there could be people throwing the season tickets, protests, etc. But I do, me personally, not be a game and Tamas just marks the seventh. I find it, I mean, you're forwarded, like, you know what I'm like. They are after Brentford, the world's ending and Forest were going to win the, the Champions League. But you can't do that aggression, you can't get rid of that. that no, you, you know, can't. Screaming, that, that's people your... are typing, yeah, yeah. but... I yeah. think Twitter's always been a toxic place with, with a lot of football clubs, but I think it's a bit more since the kind of lockdown. Oh, yeah. And I do think yeah, the current yeah, situation yeah, has got has kind of heightened it a bit personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. A, I, think I was going to say, I think there's a fair point to you, to you what you've just said there, Cosy, because and, and Matt saying, you know, Saturday afternoon, you've had a, you know, you've been, you've been grafting all week at work, and you Saturday afternoon were a great place to just go and, you know, scream at someone or shout or, you know, call ref or whatever you know you could get rid of a lot of aggression there and actually because there's no outlet to do that now even if it's against your own club the only place really to do that now is like your social media outlets and stuff like that so there's probably a lot of people saying a lot of stuff that they probably wouldn't usually say you know would they say it to these people's faces you know I, I probably not um 
on one hand, fans not being in the stadium gives you, you know, your, your players a new sort of lease of life. They can probably do try things that, you know, that they might not have tried before. But then on the flip side of that, when they do something and it's not quite right, they've all of a sudden got, you know, 15, 16, 17,000 people having a pop at them online. So it's a, you know, it swings and roundabouts, I think, on that respect. But I know, I know from my own experience through all this that I feel a bit, I always feel a bit etched up all the time because I haven't got, an opportunity to to release all that sort of pent up, you know, aggression or frustration or whatever, you know. You oh, Matt, get your phone in publicised. Come on, Matt. Yeah. What's the number we need to ring? <laughs> <laughs> get some publicity. It, it, it is, though, it's, you know, your, your football is one of them where you go and you, you can get rid of a lot of your stresses in life in ninety minutes at a football match, and you know, it's one of them things that once that's taken away, people need another outlet to vent, and unfortunately, it seems Twitter is one of those ways, and it, it can get quite toxic quite quickly I, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with you know fans questioning the club or questioning anything as long as it's done in a respectful way yeah. you know by, by just coming out and saying you know Mark Devlin's a wanker or whatever you know that's just no good to anybody but to, to question him and you know and do it in a way that's respectful you know then I'm all for that I think you've got to be careful of people representing opinion as fact as well. I think you've got to kind of be a bit more careful of, of that because people will, will express opinions I do it all the time of what's going on as a factual event because that's how they've pieced everything together. And I understand why it happens. And I think Matt's right. I think as soon as you win a few games and Carlos Ball kicks in fully, I think people will forget that. And I realise we're not going to go out and sign a, a multi-million pound striker right now because of the way things are. But I think when everything calms down, if we do see a little bit, you know, another Pipper or another Toffler or another Nabisar, in an attacking sense, I think all of a sudden people get more on board that there is some kind of ambition with this board as well. That ambition has been tapered by the current situation around COVID, etc. And they're very rightfully, you know, looking after the football club and the well-being of the football club, which is which is good because obviously we don't want to go down that road. But I I, I agree with Matt. I think once the results pick up and we see an attacking threat, somebody you know somebody that fans can get behind, you can go and you're going to say, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Jordan Rhodes. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Naki Wells, etc. You know, these attacking players that we've had in the past. If we've got someone we can hang our hat on that's going to excite us and do something in a forward sense, it may it may already be there. It may be Josh Caroma, remember I'm the president of that fan club. And, you know, it's, it's just someone to excite the fans. And I think as soon as things turn, we get a player in who people can be excited by and the results turn, then I think all of that nonsense will stop online and people will stop trying to bridge, bridge certain gaps. Well, man, well, you have to remember... You know, I mean, when you fellas got the football three or four pints before, couple in the ground, two or three afterwards, you're all asleep by eight o'clock anyway. So there's no one on social media battering everyone. So that's, that's when you want us to ring you up, Matt, after those seven or eight pints. Everyone's, everyone's awake at nine o'clock, ten o'clock. That's what it is. You've got too much energy. <laughs> yeah, that could Brady, be. what's your second question, mate? Well, yeah, no, thanks for all those answers, guys. Um, I'm sure that's either gone down really well or everyone thinks we're in the club's pocket. Which shows you where in the close pocket, usually. Usual thing. Um, so, my second question, we kind of touched on it. I, I suppose this is, I got a few comments about it. Um, what did you think of the Andy Booth rumor? Cosy, I think um, you'd be good to go to on this. I think, Matt, I, I just find it uncomfortable talking about someone who's, I don't know, I, I know football's different, but somebody's someone's job. I don't know, he's a club legend, but yeah, just he's. It's someone's job and people were demanding to know what's happening with someone's job at the club. I, I just felt really uh, uncomfortable with it. I think there's probably more to it than meets the eye, but... I, don't think, I think it's bollocks. And I think people just need to 
remember, people are still on furlough, people are still not back at work, and every, the whole world's in a, in a crazy place at the minute. Someone's made something up, they've run with it, and that's it. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. No one knows anything. Andy Booth is not on Twitter, any social media. He doesn't tell anyone anything. He's a very private fella. You know what I mean? So unless he comes out and tells people, yeah, I'm leaving, or something comes on, then for me, he's an Udersfield Town member of staff until someone tells me otherwise. I think that's a perfect example, uh, Matt, what you said about people presenting things online as being fact when actually they're not. You know, is that... I would imagine that you know the person that posted that has been told some information from somewhere. I don't. I don't believe yeah, that. They, that's they, just may a, yeah, they may trust. They may trust it. Fact, yeah. the that's what I, mean. I don't. Yeah. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that person would just decide to pick up the phone and and just randomly make that up. So someone's obviously planted that information yeah. in their mind, and then, and if they trust the person that's given that information, and then they've put it online, then really they should be apologising and saying, "Look, I was told by." this person that this were happening and that's why I, you know, sort of put some pressure on whoever to, to clarify it. But Matt, um, did you, sorry, Matt, Matt, would you, if you would have been Devlin, would you have tweeted out? No, no, because it's not, you can't address every single thing. At this moment in time, Booty does exact boxes, schools and smooches the people around the grounds and everything. The grounds I'd, love are, a, I'd love a Booty smooch. I'll be I honest, know. legend. The, the, group, <laughs> the grounds are open and the schools won't let him in. So what is, <laughs> what is he going to be doing right now? You know what I mean? Sat playing tiddlywinks at the, at the training ground. So I, I just think, again, yeah, yeah. he's not been seen around because he's not, there's nothing to do. There's nothing there. Like the geezer who cleans the uh, stands, he's not been seen as well since uh, the end of March. Has he been made redundant? No, Gunasaurus. What about uh, Terry? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Gunasaurus has gone. Maybe he could. We could get him up front. Maybe I don't know. He's, he's a big man up <laughs> front. Yeah, he's got a bit of faith. <laughs> Maybe Congolo will do an Ozil and offer to pay uh, people's wages. Yeah, yeah I won't count on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, thanks, guys. Quite a quite a heated one, but uh, relevant questions rather than uh, random ones. Anyone commenting, Matt, about Boothie on the uh, feed? Anything? Or? Uh, yeah, Dag Barnett, one of my favourite down of the Mac posters is uh, is Dag. He says Boothie is a legend, but why is his job any more important than somebody else? Those involved clearly have an axe to grind, as it wasn't for public. Soon as you, soon as you and, yeah, and I think that sums it up great. Hey, soon as the boots like, are gone, that's yeah. it. You gone. <laughs> this but, is why Dag's one of my favourite down of the Mac posters. He oh, makes a lot of sense. Um. Yeah, so uh, Richard Crowther agrees with you, Matt, hundred percent on uh, on the Mark Devlin interview. Um, uh, Rob Wood says there was a meeting regarding his workload on Monday. Uh, I presume he means uh, he means Boothy, which uh, would be great because everybody loves Andy Booth. You know, we don't forget easily. You know what oh, Andy Booth did. Even when it was full swing, I wouldn't call it a workload. <laughs> Matt, couldn't you <laughs> well, get him in your hairdressers, mate? Couldn't. Get, never mind man. hairdressers get him on the get him on the podcast and Boothy can do some podding for us yeah. I'll be bankrupt in a week <laughs> Boothy doesn't have a lot of hair though so there won't be a lot of cuts going on there will he Matt um, but yeah so uh, Pete Collins has weighed in late and said our two fullbacks must be two of the best in the championship thanks to the club and I, I agree with that I think Toffolo for me is, is just such a, a great I, I don't like to spout out Danny Cowley cliches too much because I, I found him a bit sort of great in some of them um but he always used to say good human beings and i always used to roll my eyes a little bit at that but when you think of harry toffolo that's exactly what you think you know really top bloke you know he's 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 embedded himself into the area brilliantly you can see him taking his kids to local soccer schools not matt glennon's goalkeeping school you know which is obviously available for aspiring goalkeepers out there matt you see how i wedged that one in there and um no worries and uh, you can see 
it, you know, people are saying, oh, it was at Charlotte's, you know, which is Thorn- Thornhill, Huddersfield area, isn't it? The, the ice cream parlor um, over there as well. And, you know, how he immerses himself in, in the community. I think he's, he's on and off the field. Harry Toffolo is a great signing for this football club. And I think he's getting better week on week. And, and we're seeing the, the Spanish uh, Jamie Rayner lookalike on the other flank as well, who's, uh, who's also performing. Uh, more upset about that. Yeah. I think Jamie will be happy with that one. <laughs> well, being on a football pitch, you would be, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's great. To, those those full. I'm really excited by our fullbacks. I think they're um, they're a real strength he's to us. As, as well, he's getting help now as well. You know what I mean? Because mm. he loves the bomb forward and he's got that little bit of protection when he does go forward, not getting exposed, and just his energy levels. I'll say it again: him and Lewis O'Brien are very similar in that way. Ninety fourth, ninety fifth, ninety sixth minute. My God, they're still bombing forward. He had a shot. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what, which game it was. It was like the 97th minute. He'd done more laps than any man of the pitch ever seen. And he's the left back, taking a shot in the last couple of minutes of a game. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Superb. Uh, what's it like when uh, a goal goes in? I know we don't score many, but just like, is it just the players going nuts or is there some of the direct? What's it been like? Is it? Oh, well, obviously, home games are different. And there seems to be a few more people sneaking into the ground as well now. There's a few more little oh, yeah. cheers. A few more friends of directors and all that seem to be uh, making the I know making way into ground as well now. So yeah, you get uh, you get the, the, the obviously the players and the bench and then a few random people around you. Uh, Paul is very loud as well. The the Tannoy man behind me, he sits behind me. He's a pain in the ass as well with his shouting and screaming. You listen uh, to this Rambo, get in his ear. Rambo, yeah, <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, well, yeah. Who are they announcing to? I don't understand why. I watched the Access All Areas <laughs> thing and it said, Welcome Huddersfield Town. I was like, Who was he saying that to? <laughs> no, no. There was, there was one, one on the actual pitch doing the full lot the other day. He's having a great time. <laughs> oh, that guy at Brentford's an absolute bell, isn't he? Him. I'd, well, I'd it, was him, was it Brentford was, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I got him on doing TV one other day. He loves uh-huh. himself, him. embarrassing. Yeah. The last thing, guys, on the agendas, really, uh, we've got. Uh, next week, I'm hopeful of getting um, something out, which I've been doing with Tom Bradshaw. Pardon? All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, wait, yeah, sorry. I didn't even think of what I was saying then. Uh, yeah, so next week, I'm hopeful to release a, a YouTube episode, which Matt Glennon is, and Dan Porritt are both stars of, which me and Brady have put together with the help of Tom Bradshaw. Matt's probably thinking, what the hell did I do that interview for? And hopefully next week, you can see what that was all about, which is a transition from uh, Danny Cowley to Carlos Corbran. So it's on me to edit it at the minute. So hopefully next week, it will fill a gap by the International Week. But after the International Week, we have Swansea City coming up. Uh, and because we've probably... Julian Winter. He's causing his problems yeah, already, Julian, isn't it? Julian the Whopper Winter is, uh, is been famously known as in some circles. Um he, yeah, he's been endearing himself there already. Um, God bless him. Uh, how do we think that'll go? Because Swansea have started really well, haven't they, um, Brady? I'm going to go to you, Brady, because I feel like oh, I've been more than most this week. So apologies for that. So Swansea coming up. Swansea started well. They did, had a great finish to last year. I didn't tip them for the playoffs this year because I thought Rian Brewster and uh, Gallagher would be big misses for them. But they've, they've started really well and they look, uh, look menacing, really, at the top level, at the top end of this league, I should say. Yeah, I think um, I, I, uh, I think they started really well. I think Steve Cooper is a good boss. I think he's obviously been a England under seventeen or eighteen manager. He's got those connections, of getting young players in. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White for me looks quality. I think he's going to be one of the players this season. Um, not hoping, not holding uh, out for much of a result there, but um, 
I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, international break, we'll see what happens, everyone comes back. But um, I think Swansea are going to be a good team. I, I think they'll be up there around the playoffs again. Um, not sure if they'll be in the top six, but they'll definitely be knocking on the door. But um, yeah, they, they play good stuff as well. Um, I think it'll be a tough game. And it, is, that, is that Swansea? Am I right in thinking? It's that a little bit you are, yeah, right. yes. you can, Considering yeah. you're doing the previews for these things, Brady, I'm glad yeah. that you're on the ball there. So, yeah. Brady, uh, get, your life, <laughs> get your life savings on, are you? Ayu hates Uddersfield Town. His brothers hate Uddersfield Town. He always scores against Uddersfield Town. He will score against Uddersfield Town. Ayu will score. He always scores. You're going to say that one more time, Cosy. Can you get Ayu in no. one more so time? Who, Who's going to score against Uddersfield? Ayu, he'll score. Right, but, okay. but there'll be 3-1 three, one da- three, one down anyway, so it doesn't matter. But Gibbs White's a good signing for them, I think. Uh, yeah, great yeah. signing. Yeah, they seem to get some good young'uns in, don't they, there, the Swansea? I don't know what they do, but uh, yeah, I'd... Honestly, it's a good test for us, I think, that on Saturday, isn't it? I mean, you, you could probably pick an easier game, wouldn't you, to come back with. But I want to see if we've kind of learned from Brentford. I know they're probably not as good a team, but they've still got the good dismantlers if they're on their day. I want to see us kind of improving game by game, which I think we're seeing. It'll be an interesting one. I just hope there's no COVID issues or international issues. You know what I mean? Since Well, there, is, there isn't issues because I can't go out in bloody Cardiff on the Friday night. That's what the issue is. <laughs> <laughs> Led to West End in Cardiff, and I can't really do anything. So, uh, no, I, I, again, going towards that game, Brentford, I think, are, are stronger than Swansea. I think Brentford are going to be right up there this year. I think we'll see a couple of players in as well before the Swansea game. So, it'll be interesting to see, you know what I mean, of the players that have done well last couple of games who might miss out because we know he's not scared of just going, right, yep, this is my man. He's coming straight in like Crips one of the match, like he said. Navi's are straight in. So, we'll, we'll see who they're going to bring in. It could be, it could be Campbell. Maybe misses out if that front man comes in. You've got to throw in Lewis O'Brien. Will Lewis O'Brien be, be, be ready to play some part? Along Alex Pritchard as well? Yeah. Uh, Alex Pritchard. I thought Lewis O'Brien was going to be all right two, three weeks ago. Lydia. Still, yeah. He's still playing his computer games, isn't he? That sort of stuff. You know, yeah. He needs, to, needs to complete his game before he can start yeah. playing for town again. What about uh, QPR with a, a new signing? Would anyone bothered that he didn't come back to town? Yeah, good question. I was going to ask this. Yeah. Chris Willock, we're talking about there because it was I. I thought this. I think there's something there with Chris Willock. Um, yeah, it needs somebody to unlock it, though. I don't think he's ready-made, so to speak. I, I think Town probably needs somebody more. I think we've bought a lot of projects. I think we tr- the next signing we make at the top end has to be a bit more ready-made, hit the ground running. A few of those uh, lockers that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I'd like another Pippa, a Pippa, whatever you call him, uh, but higher up this time. But obviously the international window's closed, but I'm sure there's plenty of decent domestic ones that we can look at who can... Uh, have the same sort of effect especially and I know this is quite a a mean thing to say because obviously West Brom are trying to do it to us but I would imagine that there'll be some clubs looking to try and sell assets at some point and may take uh, cut price um, cut price deals if you like so it might be worth having a look around and see what's see what's in the uh, I would would imagine that if Grant does move we have got two or three irons in the fire so to speak and it just Mm. may be a fact that we're waiting for that to happen, and I think mm. I think Matt Glenn's Ladder. quite right. It needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be done before well Friday this week, Monday. Let's put a deadline on it and say if you cannot get us the deal that we want by this day, we'll just keep him. Because if not, a typical town will do the old selling him on fifteenth at five to twelve at night, yeah. and uh, then we won't be able to bring anybody in. So we'll we'll be knackered in both respects. Then so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be down the track. So we'll be. We'll be. Let, sign Ayu, sign Ayu, so he can't <laughs> score against us. He can't score <laughs> yeah. against us. Then sign Ayu, 
No clothes in it. Get him at Swansea, up the town. Come Which on. Probably, probably scored own goal. Pretend you're going to pop in January. He wants played till January. Yeah. So what about prediction-wise? Because Brady, what Brady's going to do is when he starts doing his um, previews, he's going to start adding in our predictions. And uh, I know. And because of you got the Nottingham Forest one right, so you're probably leading the way at the minute. Um, yeah, even a broken clock. pen and pad, right? Yeah, so I think what we'll probably do is try and... Uh, create a bit of a wooden spoon and a uh, a, a golden spoon if you like <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that involves but so we're going to try and uh, see who's the best tipster out of the lot of us um, and Brady's going to do it so uh, he's going to add that into his previews going forward so that'll be something uh, not so interesting for the people that uh, listen to us <laughs> if you like so what we're we going for pause what are you going for against uh, against Swansea uh, we're... <laughs> say it, I'm going last <laughs> bonus um, point for Ayo, yeah. Bonus point for Ayo to score. I'll get that on the uh, on the accumulator. Um, Swansea away, tough game. Uh, looking on the positive note, let's say a draw. Do you need a specific score line? I don't know, Matt. How we scoring this? Let's, I'm sure we'll work out the rules when I get one right and we can make it. Uh, one, make it one, one, let's go with one all. One all. Just all just right. the score, I think. Would be. Uh, I'll go next because I'm next on the line. I'm going to go 2-1 Swansea. I'm going to predict a, another defeat like I did against Rotherham just because I'm a misery. Although I was almost right because I was a 1-0 Rotherham from a set piece and it was kind of right-ish. Cos? Desmond, 2-2, two, two, mate. He's there. Nice. Two all and then, there. And then Matt will add you in as well. Well, because he's just stole my line and my score line as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going Desmond as well. Oh dear. Well, it's not good another, late another late equaliser. Fantastic. Online with on goal. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked online. Pete Collins says five nil to town. Uh Phil <laughs> Pete Collins is great. He's, he's, he's predicted he's predicted playoffs. He's predicted playoffs for us as Pete as well. So he's, he's, he's on the he air told us to get on at eight to one. Hey, stop drinking on a Wednesday, <laughs> mate. Not good. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Phil Marston says if we bring a strike in, we can beat Swans. If we don't, we'll struggle. Um, is 48. Oh, I wonder if that's Izzy Brown. Just can't see it, lads. Nothing to finish off these chances we are making. Tom Bradshaw, who I don't know if he's scribbling some bits and bats <laughs> on as we go. Amazing work last week. Uh, says one all. Uh, Dear Carby will finally score. I think he's been on the wine as well. Uh, Adam Kershaw says, I used to play football with Morgan Gibbs White when he was around 12. Lol. That's that. Uh, Chris Green says, uh, just, to win to make, <laughs> just to win and to make uh, a three game. Yeah. Do, do you know what? I, I start reading these things out before I've got to the end of it in my head. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Paul Gibson says he's a bit worried about Swansea. Uh, Clostis in style to Brentford and out of the top teams we've played so far. Just hoping for another step forward in style wise. I think that's. Uh, a good point as well there. And uh, Paul Gibson then finally says 2-1 Swansea. So he's copying me on that one as well. So uh, we've got those in. Um, Hang on. You didn't believe... ask me. <laughs> Sorry, Brady. Two, this, I've been, there you go. I've been doing you this You want me to do this bloody prediction and then you don't ask me. Shocking. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Uh, uh, yeah, we need to ask you so you're not chasing. Well, we're not interested, well. Brady. You've con- tipped us to lose. That's right. <laughs> Get off, mate. All right. Okay. Right, we're, going into, we're going into any other business territory here, so I'm going to throw this open to you guys and if there's anything that you want to... Uh... Yeah, just England players. Dickheads. Again, Gareth Southgate's a good guy. Why can't they just stick to the rules? What a set of... No, I haven't seen it. What are you on about? Oh, Tammy Abraham and the party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that. I know. The, the thing is, though, do you, you know, if you're happy... Because it was a surprise party, apparently. 
do you, do you get into <laughs> do you get in trouble? But like, you know, could you accidentally just throw surprise parties for people to get them, you know, get them into trouble? Well, he's on 150 bags a week, so he can pay his 10 grand fine anyway. So mm. it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Fine with that. Again, is that it, Cos? That's that's it for you. Yeah, just just Southgate just should have to pick his best team. He shouldn't have to cope with this. He had the dickheads well, in the last don't round. No, you think that's the same for all managers? Just think about the Huddersfield time managers last couple of years, having to deal with people in moods, not wanting to play for the team, doing what they want when they're getting paid loads of money. Managers now, you've got to deal with so much crap. Back in the day. You know what I mean? You, yeah, but Matt, it's country. He's playing for his country, mate. England. No, no, I'm talking about just players in general. A lot of players in general. Yeah, they're not bothered. They don't a lot of things. Yeah. And it's a, it's a podcast in itself, that, to be honest. But back in the day, you told each other how you felt or you give someone a smack and, and that was it. You moved on. <laughs> but now, it's it's the whinging, it's the sulking. It's, they've got so much power, so much, you know what I mean, and, well, money to go with it as well. That It's not an interest to them. They don't want to play with us. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? He's going to do that. Mesa Urza were a nice thing, although you could argue money and what have you, but that would nice have to do it. Rob's delivering for a little while at Arsenal. I think he's he's took more than he's actually given to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. He's basically their mascot anyway. 250 grand a week. Yeah, he is. 350. Yeah. Oh, 350 grand a week. What would you even do with that? That's absolutely. Well, you should buy a dinosaur egg and give it to. <laughs> you can make your own Jurassic Park inside two weeks, couldn't you? Never mind. Got a new dinosaur for him. You could open up a complete Jurassic Park and have him running around with all, all his mates, couldn't you? Is that any good for you? Yeah. Right. I think that's a good place to end, guys. Unless there's anything else from from you guys. No. Nope. Done. No. Nope. Enjoy fantastic. the international break. Yeah. Thank you to everybody online who's who's tuned in. Um, sorry if I didn't get through to your comments, but uh, we'll try get you in as soon as possible. So thanks to the uh, the hundred or so people who've joined us online tonight, which is great. Thank you very much to to you guys and Matt for joining us, um, for giving well, up your yeah. time. So thank you very much for that. And, uh, you know, you haven't asked us for any money yet, so we might keep asking you back on if you keep keep that up. So uh, remember, Matt's goal is goal. Get your hair cut by G27 as well and any other things that Matt does in, that I can't remember. Yeah, Matt, get over him. to see him, mate. You need to see him, man. Maybe his, uh, his winery will be <laughs> nice. I won't even charge you. Cheers, guys. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 